As the sun rises each day in the awesome world of the three networks, their generals send forth the stars to do battle for the ratings that rule the realm. The battle is fierce, but the treasures are precious. But today, the battle is physical and furious. is a team competition so let's meet the team ladies and gentlemen this is the very first fire and water network all-star special this time out batman v superman i'm the irredeemable shag and right now i'm going to hand it over to our howard cosell ciscoid why don't you introduce the gang <laughs> why don't i uh so if we go around the virtual room you've already met the irredeemable shag he's irredeemable as usual uh his uh his partner in most things, Rob Kelly. Oh, excuse me. I was drinking some of my grandma's peach tea. Hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> right, go, I'm sorry. Go, go right ahead. Yeah. This will not be spoiler-free, folks. Uh, and uh, on, the, on the other side of the aisle, uh, Chris and Cindy Franklin, the supermates. Hi. Hello. And, of course... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, the secret originator himself. <laughs> Ryan Daly. Hello, I am here. <laughs> <laughs> so we're off. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we are yeah. talking. About, yeah, we are talking about Batman v Superman: colon, Dawn of Justice and whatever other subtitles you want to give it. Let's let's just before we get into it, let's talk about our um, our relationship to the film. What? Who? Uh, when did we see it? What kind of, uh, what was the, the atmosphere in the theaters where we saw it, perhaps? And uh, what was our, uh, what were our expectations going in? Were you dreading it? Were you uh, hoping for the best? What, what was it? So, uh, we start with you, Ryan. Okay. Uh, I am going to own my feelings about this right up front and say that I was not, I was never going to like this movie. There was no parallel earth in the multiverse where a version of me was going to see a Batman versus Superman movie by this filmmaker and this production team where I would like it. And I am right up front and saying like this, after I saw Man of Steel, like when the credits were rolling of that movie, I predetermined that I was going to hate the next movie. Now you can say that that just destroys any of my credibility and my objectivity of this movie is forfeit, fine, whatever. However, I will say that my expectations going into the movie was that the movie itself would be fine. The story would be fine. The performances would be fine. And as an objective observer, I could not necessarily complain about it. My only complaints would be my subjective bias that this is a Superman and a Batman and a Wonder Woman that I do not recognize or want to spend time with. But the movie surprised me because I did not think it was fine. I hated it. 
I thought the movie was bad, and I will go into more detail about that. But so those were my expectations, and for some reason, feeling the need to rip the Band-Aid off, I saw the very first show that was available. I saw it seven o'clock on Thursday night, the the preview night. So, what about you, Shag? You were a little more positive about it, weren't you? Well, I, not going in, uh, I was dreading this movie. I was convinced I was going to hate it. I had, you know, read enough online. I didn't care for Man of Steel very much. And just, I had a general sense of ick going in. Now, I will say the theater atmosphere was pretty amazing. I went to see it on Friday night, so the day after it opened, you know, the the sneak night, whatever you want to call it. And I have never seen so many Batman and Superman t-shirts in one place in my life. It seemed like everybody had a Batman or Superman t-shirt on, which was very exciting. I mean, given the number of comic conventions I've gone to, I've seen a lot of different superhero shirts, but never a concentration on just two characters. Unless, I guess, you count Deadpool, which apparently everyone has a Deadpool t-shirt. But it was very exciting. And so we went, when we went in the theater, I found myself beginning to get a little excited after the dread I've had for the last several months. So I, unlike Ryan, I, I guess I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and I, I'll just own it. I, I kind of like the movie. Okay. What about the Franklins? Did you go see it together? Yes, we did. Um, yeah, we, we went as a, a, a family unit, and uh, we probably shouldn't have taken our we daughter. We regret that decision. <laughs> we regret Thanks. taking our daughter. Uh, but, uh, but, badly. Uh, badly. But, uh, but, you know, me personally, I was in the mindset that I wasn't quite as extreme uh, as, as Ryan in that, that I, there were parts of, there were, the tone of Man of Steel wasn't the type of Superman movie I was really wanting. But I knew when this was announced that, okay, we're going to get more of the same. This is going to be, this is a sequel to Man of Steel. They're not going to totally change the direction of the film. I'm going to get more of the same plus their version of Batman. So I had that in my head, and over time I kind of, I was pretty down on it, you know, as, as Rob has pointed out on other podcasts. <laughs> and and you know, but then I kind of decided to, you know, it's like, well, there were parts about Man of Steel that I was okay with. It's I'm, I'm good. I've got to see it to see, you know, what they're doing, and I just I can't not see it. And so I just kind of made peace with, okay, this is what we're going to get. And you know, I've i I'm going I'm going to McDonald's. This is my analogy. I'm going to go to McDonald's. I'm going to order McDonald's, a Big Mac, and I'm going to get a Big Mac. I'm not going to get a filet mignon and McDonald's. I'm going to get a Big Mac. So, uh, but I actually felt, I was scared, like, the, we saw it on Friday after I'd heard what Rob and Ryan said about seeing it on Thursday and other people online. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be worse than I thought. And so I was really just kind of like, man, I can't believe, you know, I, 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 there was part of me that didn't even want to go, you know. But it, and so when I went to the theater myself, I sat there, watched the movie, and, and I thought, well, this is what I expected initially. So I guess in that respect, I was, you know, I got what I paid for. You know, I got, I, I knew going in, this was what I was going to get, and that's what I got. So I got my Big Mac. What about you, Cindy? It was just one of those cases that I'm like, they tried to do too much, not enough direction, wasn't cohesive. If it was just Wonder Woman, if I could just pull out the Wonder Woman interactions and just watch that movie, I would have been thrilled. <laughs> but as far as what they did, I grew up with Christopher Reeve's Superman, and I grew up, 
you know, I, I grew up with that. That's my image. Superman is not supposed to be the gritty character. That's just not him. Right. It's not him. So there you go. And Rob, your, uh, your word has some weight since you do have a, a film-based podcast. <laughs> I take it you didn't like it? Uh, well, I don't know if it should have any weight more than anybody else, but um, <laughs> no, I didn't like this movie at all. I, I didn't go into it with much expectations because it was Zack Snyder. I didn't really like Man of Steel. I thought that approach was misbegotten for Superman. But uh, I uh, this film managed to defy those expectations by being worse than I even thought it was going to be because oh. I did not realize the extent to which it was going to crap on Superman. And it just kept doing that for two hours and change. So uh, I went into it with, with very little expectation, and I walked out angry and disappointed and frustrated and ticked off and, and everything, uh, all the other negative adjectives you can think of. Right. Well, as for me, I saw it, I saw it last. I, I, I saw it by our reckoning this afternoon, only a few hours ago. And, uh, well, I, I, initially I didn't know if I wanted to see it at all. I'm, I'm basically I saw it because we were doing this uh, because I, I, I guess I put I put Zack Snyder on the same list I put Michael Bay or Roland Emmerich or the people who I just don't want to see their films I don't like their vision in I mean in quotation marks their vision I think they're crappy directors and I just don't like their films and I know I'm not going to like their films so you know I didn't really want to see it but then well, whatever I went and. You don't know how painful this is to admit, but I'm kind of on Shag's side in this. <laughs> uh, in that, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's not a good film, you know, by, by any real standard, but there are some things I really liked in it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to come out of it a little, I was surprised, but positively so. Right, and I saw it with some of the Canadians. I might have some comments that come from them, really. Uh, but I went with some of the Canadians this afternoon, and in an almost empty theater, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Uh, but there wow. were, yeah, we were like, I mean, I, if there were twelve people there, maybe. Do you mean some of the Canadians from the Lonely Hearts podcast, or like collectively some of the Canadians like, well, every, in the whole country, everyone in the room? <laughs> Everyone in the room was presumably Canadian. <laughs> okay. So some of the population of Canada was with you in the theater. Yes, but okay. uh, with me were uh, Marty from the Lonely Hearts and then a couple of the girls from Ohatmu or Not. The usual, the usual suspects. Shout out to Ohatmu or Not and uh, Lonely Hearts. Okay, let's, let's, talk, let's get into BVS. Gee, I hope the next film's acronym is, sounds like Butthead. The, so let's get into BVS a little more. Uh, and so we already sent ourselves our, some notes and what we, we should cover. But So uh, let's go through the list. What do we think of the casting? Now, some of these were already cast, obviously, from the previous films. Uh, but some of them are new. Uh, in any case, well, yeah, what do you think about the casting of these, uh, of these characters? I'll run through it real quick. And, and just for distinction, we're going to talk about the casting and not the characters themselves. But I will right. say, I feel like Henry Cavill himself has really grown into the role of Superman. I thought he did a pretty good job in the first movie as, you know, the look and the way he carried himself. This time, I thought he was perfect. He really, really felt to me, like, uh, the, as far as the look and his acting and the way he delivered his lines, I, I, I thought he was great casting as Superman. And he's incredible casting as Clark Kent. Batman, when they cast Ben Affleck... Um, 
I actually burst out laughing, and it's actually on tape in a previous episode of Fire and Water Podcast. Uh, when Rob told me on the air that he had been cast, I lost it and couldn't stop laughing hysterically for like five minutes. But I feel like for an older Batman, a older jaded Batman whose life has gone down the wrong path, I think Affleck was pretty good. Wonder Woman, hands down, the best casting. She was fantastic. You know, a year ago or so, whenever she was cast, mm-hmm. there was all kinds of stuff on the internet. People were like, oh, she's too skinny. She can't pull it off, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't have muscle. She was fantastic. She was great. She looks, mm-hmm. that, that is Wonder Woman to me now. She looks fantastic. Lex Luthor. Behind Linda Carter. <laughs> yeah. You want me to talk about Linda Carter's behind? I will. Um, Lex Luthor. Not <laughs> hey, I'm f- right there with you. I can appreciate it. <laughs> That's why I like this lady. Uh, was it Jesse Eisenberg? Is that his name? Yes. Yep. For Lex. Not the world's biggest fan of him cast as Lex. I think he did a good job with the role, given what was... He, he certainly was a lot better in the film than he was on the, the in the trailers. But, yeah, Lois continues to be a, a pretty good. I don't know that she's exactly the right casting as Lois. I don't know that she's feisty enough. Uh, is that Amy Adams? Is that her name? Yep. But I think she was mm-hmm. pretty good. And uh, Alfred was... I thought he was great. Jeremy Irons, I thought he made a very good Alfred. He had the, he delivered his lines with the right sort of dripping sarcasm, yet still respecting his boss slash kind of foster son. I thought it was pretty good. More of an animated Batman type Alfred. Yep. Less fatherly and more uh, dry wit. Yeah. Do you want to get into the cameo casting at this point, or come back to those? Well, we'll come back to those since uh, right. they were the the yeah the superhero press kit comes in and interrupts the film at some point. Uh, but if we look at the main, <laughs> the main cast, which for me, I, had, I have nothing but respect for the, the main cast of this film. Uh, what, about, uh, what about the Franklins? Um, you want to go first, Cindy? Yeah, I do. You okay. don't get to go first Don't get to go first always. Shut up. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Superman, <laughs> Henry Cavill, looks, looks good, carries himself well. Clark Kent, the only part that I didn't like about him, you know, Christopher Reeve embodied... Superman the whole time. However, when Henry Cavill is walking in to the Senate hearings, he looks like he has a wedgie that he desperately wants to dig out. <laughs> I mean, he does not carry himself in <laughs> like he is walking in. I am Superman. He's walking like, oh my God, get this wedgie out of my butt. Come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. That, <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> on Batman, you know? Um, on the Batman side, he is—he was just too... He's good casting, but at the same time, the way he was portrayed in this, I would say that he's just way too paranoid, way too quick. He's too smart to be this paranoid. It just doesn't fit. Wonder Woman, wonderful casting. Like I said, if I could have had Wonder Woman, have her just pull out those bits and watch that, yes, it would have been like a 25-minute film because she had way too much... Way not enough screen time, but still. Uh, Lex Luthor, he acted like he was, instead of being a king of industry, like the second son who wasn't going to inherit. And I desperately wanted a dart to throw at him to knock him out because he was was so manic. No. Just no. And or he'd done too much coke. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Lois Lane, I I like her. She's really pretty, but she just doesn't seem like the enough of a ball buster type to be Lois Lane, as I would think. Um, Alfred, great. I loved him. So, uh, I liked Henry Catwell as Superman. I think, I think he was well cast. Uh, we'll, of course, get into how they portray Superman later, but he, he certainly looks the part. 
dude is ripped like crazy, so he's definitely built like Superman. Uh, Batman, uh, Ben Affleck, I was the same way. I'm like, Ben Affleck? I was almost like Michael Keaton all over again. But, uh, you know, I, he, he's he got the squarest jaw of anybody that's ever played Batman, I think, so that's good. <laughs> he's got the jawline for it. And I thought he, I thought he looked like an older Bruce Wayne Batman. I thought he played, he pulled the part off physically, for sure. Wonder Woman, uh, I'm totally on board. Uh, great casting. I know, every, like you said, Chad, people kind of lost their mind. She's too skinny. She is not chesty enough, blah, 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 and all this stuff. Uh, but, you know, she looked great, and she definitely embodied the role. I, I couldn't stand Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I just, I, I, I could not stand him. I wanted to reach through the screen and choke him every time he was on screen. Mm-hmm. And we'll get back to that later. Uh, I really like Amy Adams as Lois Lane. I think she Mm-mm. portrays the, I, this is my opinion, okay? And I think she, I think she, <laughs> I think she does have that kind of, you know, she's got to be, you know, attractive and feminine and, you know, for the love interest of Superman, but she still seems, I mean, she obviously in both movies, you know, pulls off the parts where she's actually acting fairly heroic. You know, she's not just screeching all the time, which I think is great. I think she pulls that off. I thought that uh, Jeremy Irons was just perfect as Alfred. I mean, the with the sardonic, dripping sarcasm, as you guys said, I mean, he was great. Great. That was when they said... When they cast him, I'm like, hey, they, they might be on to something here. So, Right. What about Ryan? Uh, the two that I'll focus on, Wonder Woman and Lex Luthor. Wonder Woman first. I was skeptical about the casting of her because she's a model that doesn't have an extensive acting resume. Um, but I, she impressed me early on. I thought that the scenes between her and Bruce Wayne when she was in the formal wear, uh, well, I guess the the not the for anybody who's not a superhero, we would call that a formal wear. Uh, when she's in the ball gowns, I thought those interactions between her and Bruce Wayne, she was very good. The dialogue was natural and it sounded good. Her dialogue when she was in the Wonder Woman costume during the final battle, I thought was very stiff and very forced. Now I don't know if that's the actress. I don't know if that was just the, the directing. The fact that they're probably on a green screen with not a lot to work with, so. I'm not, I'm not 100% sold on her yet. I, I really, I want to see if she can carry the full movie, but I, I was, mo- I was impressed with her, and I, I do think she will be good. She looked beautiful out of the costume. She looked tough in the costume, so I, I was okay with that. In terms of Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, I thought he would be cringe-inducing in how annoying he was, and he was. However, mm-hmm. he also he also had this energy about him that kind of made me feel at times like he was the only person there kind of having fun. So even though I hated the character and everything about him, I was kind of like, you know, there's something strangely watchable about this guy. Uh, and I don't really know how else to explain it beside that. All the other characters were fine. These are solid professional actors. They did as well as they could with the material, so... That's it. Right. Rob Kelly? Uh, I, I was happy with everybody. I, I have no problem with any of the casting. I thought Gal, Gal Gadot, uh, Mrs. David A. Gutierrez, was, was really quite good. Um, I want to see <laughs> want to see more of her. I, I don't know. I don't think Me too. Saw, I, I don't think – Cindy, can you slap him? 
Uh, I don't think that uh, uh, <laughs> I don't think we saw enough of her to be able to say she was like a great find on the on the level of Daisy Ridley. But uh, I want to see her as Wonder Woman definitely more. But I was perfectly happy with with all the casting, both for what they did in this movie and for the the, the holdovers from the previous uh, Superman installment. Did anyone else get like a, a Famke Jansen vibe off of Gal? Is it Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Okay. Anyone else get a Famke Jansen vibe off of Gal Gadot? Yeah, a little bit. I guess. And, and I'm wondering if I'm just predisposed to liking her that much more just because I felt like the scenes in the ballroom reminded me very much of Goldeneye when Famke Jansen was playing the opposite of James Bond in that movie. I just felt there was a lot of callback to that. Maybe not, maybe not intentionally, but it just felt that way. And uh, by the way, uh, more bathtub scenes for Amy Adams. Just saying, that's necessary. <laughs> well, you'll get the R-rated DVD. Uh, yeah. Well, let's get into the cover, the, the, um, the cameo casting. Uh, or, well, I mean, just the fact that the cameos happen at all. Uh, Rob, I'm going to start with you because you've got a stake in this. <laughs> uh, as you might imagine, I loved the Aquaman scene. I was really excited. And even though at that point in the movie I was pretty uh, pretty disappointed about what I was watching, I got a definite thrill seeing Aquaman. And I liked the way the scene was staged. I liked that he was sort of deep in the murky water. And then when he notices there's a, there's a camera on him, he smashes it with his trident. I thought it was terrific. I, I absolutely loved every second. It was my favorite moment of the movie, and I was just so thrilled to see Aquaman on the big screen. And I, it was just exciting to, at the end credits to literally see his name there on the screen. Aquaman, Jason Momoa. I was, I was so happy. And I liked the other cameos, too. I thought the Flash thing was cool. It was a very crisis-y. Uh, I liked that a lot. The Cyborg thing was really grim really much more graphic than I thought it would be just watching he's just a head and a torso I was like, yeesh but uh but I don't know I liked it all and I liked that they all had their little their own little pdfs and their own little youtube channels or whatever it was that was going on there I liked that whole bit <laughs> okay and uh, uh what about shag I uh, loved it uh, I thought the cameos were great the the aquaman cameo of course Rob already said all that I agree with everything he said which is a first probably the cyborg cameo I, I do want to mention I think it's cute that the guy who created skynet also created cyborg um, <laughs> the way that last one turned out, I'm a little worried how Cyborg Mark go, but whatever. And the Flash, uh, not my cup of tea. I, I don't like the long-haired, what appears to be slacker-looking Flash. Uh, the 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 ghetto stash didn't do it for me. I'm sorry. I'm I'm very much Team Gustin. I, I can't get on board with this guy. I don't fault him. I fault Zack Snyder for that decision. Now, the the crisis scene was pretty good. That that did feel very crisis. I agree with you on that, Rob. That. That actually made my jaw drop and made me wonder, oh, my gosh, where is this going? Right. Oh, you mean the, in, the, in the vision, in the yes. sort of dream? Yes. That's what, that's what was happening? Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll get I, back. I, I kind of wanted to know when Batman read Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like, why would he have a dream about a moment from Crisis on Infinite Earths? Because <laughs> well, it happened in a dream. It didn't happen in reality. We're, we're going to talk about the Bat Visions. Don't worry. Okay. We will. We will. <laughs> uh, but while we're with you there, Ryan, what about the, the, these cameos for you? Um, I didn't like the way the scene was used. I thought the movie came to a screeching halt at that point. Um, twice. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, Aquaman is one of my favorite characters. I, I feel like I'm going to get a Submariner movie, which I should be okay with, because Submariner is one of my favorite characters, too. But I, I like Jason Momoa. There are literally one, literally, I'm not using that in like the 
you know, modern sense, but actually like a someone who knows what literally means, there are literally a hundred characters in the DC universe that I would pick Jason Momoa to play before Aquaman. But maybe the movie will be awesome, and I will go in and see it. Um, like Shag said, I am not crazy about this Flash character. I'm fine with them recasting a different actor to play Flash in the movie verse. But one look at this guy, and I was like, mm, no, I don't think I'm going to like him in this role. The Cyborg, again, it was like, this is a really weird moment, but it intrigued me at least. So, yeah, I, I wasn't wild about any of them, really. Chris and Cindy? Can I go first this time? I guess. Okay. Uh, the Aquaman part, even though even though I'm not as down with that version of Aquaman, that part was really well done. I like that. It was very intriguing, and, and that was my favorite cameo. Uh, the Cyborg one, I mean, it just, to me, and I can't really go to the casting because we didn't see the guy that's playing Cyborg actually do anything, but... Except screen. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, it... It was just so bizarre because it's like he had his his dismembered son's torso and head on a flip over chalkboard, and <laughs> he had, this, a, 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 he had an, a GameCube that that started undulating, and, and then it you know it was like it was way too much too much, and it didn't the the, the CGI and stuff just kind of looked I thought it looked pretty cheap in that part. It almost looked like something that that come off an episode of one of the DC TV shows when they on an off day. You know, they're usually pretty good, but every once in a while there'll be something you're like, ah, they, yeah, they, they didn't have their best guys on that or they were running out of money or they had a slow processor that day or something. But I didn't like the cyborg part. The Flash looked horrible. Yes. He, he looked like a guy in a Saturday Night Live skit that showed, up, that showed up in the movie. He, I mean, <laughs> that's what it looked like to me. It was like some random Saturday Night Live actor showed up as the Flash in the skit with Ben Affleck as Batman. Um so I, I just yeah, and, I, and I'm a total Grant Gustin guy too. I you know I I understand why they're not. I, well, I don't really understand why they're not combining you know mixing the TV and the movie. Everybody's got. I've heard it a million times, but I still don't really get it. But I just did not like the look of that guy and his little security sam- security camera footage, or the scene in Batman's jacked up vision. So yeah, that and I'm a big Flash guy, so that that put me off. So it was Aquaman and Aquaman only, really, that I liked out of that segment. I agree with Chris about Aquaman and Cyborg. As far as Flash, I thought we had already cast Kylo Ren in the Star Wars movie. (laughs) 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 Oh, jeez. Well, I I think Ezra Miller. Nightwing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, but I I think Ezra Miller. Driver was rumored to be. But Ezra Miller, this guy, the Flash guy. I've seen him in other things. I, I think it'll be interesting. But, of course, this was just like a little uh, kind of a boring teaser for it. Uh, the Aquaman is obviously the standout because that underwater environment. You, you, you can already feel that that movie will be something special just because, of, you know, it won't be like, uh, you know, just crime fighting in whatever streets. And for Cyborg, well, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like a deleted scene from Eureka. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe Bort's in there. Yeah. Let's get into the and oh of course the the, the cameo we the, the cameo we haven't mentioned was, you know, Chris Pine in um, as uh, Steve Trevor in that picture of Wonder Woman in the uh, in 1918. Can I just address that real quick? Huh? Captain Kirk bag <laughs> the hot chicks. I'm just saying. Way to go, Kirk. Well, yeah. He used the Guardian of Forever to go back to 1918. <laughs> so. Or just slingshot around the sun. She yeah. is the new Edith Keeler. 
Yeah. There it is. <laughs> Let's get into the characters themselves, the the actual characters, not not the actors. Uh, first on our list is Lex Luthor. Now, a lot of you, uh, I think I think I'm in the minority as well. With um, uh, was it Ryan uh, to think? You know, I like a good manic villain, so I liked it. You know, the mad genius who um, and. I mean, maybe he's going mad, maybe because there's a dark master whispering in his ear the whole time. You know, it's, we, we, none of the motivations are, are, you know, expressed too well in the film. That's one of the problems. But, um, but that little madness uh, is a contrast to all the, the doom and gloom of every other character. It's everybody else is sad. Uh, I think Ryan's right that you know, that this Lex Luthor is having fun on his own terms. Now, what I did, say uh, that I did not like the character or anything no. about him. I just uh, wanted to express that the at, at least he wasn't crying or, or, like, on the verge of crying like every other member of the cast was for most of the movie. Yeah, he's got a crazy energy that no one else it's in the movie like has. In the movie. Yeah. yeah, I think so, you need that, you know, you need that lightness to balance out and it doesn't quite do it, but you you need that a little light to balance out. It was the only he was the only character that got any laughs in the theater, and that's because the Ohadan girls have a twisted mind. <laughs> <laughs> They're the two were the only ones. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, Rob, what did you think of the of Lex? Again, I thought it was fine. I mean, I think his motivations are a little strange. I mean, he can't live with the idea of Superman. You know, being this powerful being, so he's got to take him down. But he's been perfectly okay with Batman running around for twenty years. Uh, okay, uh, you know, whatever. I guess he's all right with one superhero, but not with another. Yeah, I I thought it was fine. I mean, I I didn't. It, he didn't bother me. I thought Jesse Eisenberg was fine. I liked his final scene where he gets his head shaved. He seemed kind of cool. So uh, all all that seemed was perfectly okay with me. Yeah, but like all the motivations in the the film, they're very sketchy, and you sort of have to. Decide for yourself why people are doing whatever they're doing, or why they have. I think that he has. Opinion. He has no less than three motivations for doing any of this. Like the first time he goes, he kind of gives like a partial monologue about hating gods or people who are too powerful, hating like people who act like gods or something. Later on, he has this really sort of cryptic line where he says, you know, he was the victim of his father's fists and other abominations. So was he physically and sexually abused by his father? And then at the end, out of nowhere, he's talking about alien voices from space. Like, when did any of this happen? And and why does he get Batman involved in the scheme at all if he's got the means to attack Superman? And why is the first time we see Lex Luthor, he's playing basketball? Like, if that's our establishing thing, like, this is Lex Luthor, he's a millionaire basketball star, because we don't find out why he's a millionaire, why he's, like, this tech genius or anything about him. No, 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 wait a minute. They they established that he got his money from his dad, so that explains where he got the money from, and he's just kept the company going. So they established where he got the money from. I don't think he was a basketball star. He was playing basketball in his own lobby. So all that was really missing was a monster energy drink or a Red Bull to prove how douchey he was. So I think, so, I think so that he's was, the creator. He's the founder of Facebook. This is just like what happened when that girl didn't friend him back at the end of the social network. <laughs> well, I, More or less. Yes! I, I was okay with his motivation of he was going to take out Superman and he had a 
pretty long-reaching plan that involves Batman having Superman kill Batman to make you know to make Superman fall from grace in the eyes of the people. So I was fine with it. the only part that I, that I didn't like as far as the, the his plan and his motivations and all that was the end where he started talking about how Thanos has been whispering to him. That was weird. Okay, then, but then why did he create Doomsday I, to stop Superman? Exactly. He wants that, to stop the Superman. Then why did he put Batman against but, Superman if he could put Doomsday against him? And wait, 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 wait. What why was his, would you create? What was, what was his plan if Doomsday won? If Doomsday succeeded, what happens next? Does Doomsday work for Lex Luthor? Does he have any kind of control over it? Or does Doomsday destroy the entire world? I would assume he figured he right. could control I mean, if the, Go ahead, Chris. I, I, that's the part that really got me. Lex, none of Lex's plans made any sense. I mean, really, because I, it, I don't even understand how it even worked that he manipulated these guys. Everything had to go a certain way for this to even work. I mean, I know that's a trope in movies that happens. But then when you get, if he, he was so obsessed with not having these aliens rule over humanity as gods, he went and created a monstrosity that he couldn't control. Now, if they'd said that he was trying to clone Zod or something so he could and, and somehow manipulate him or, you know, even put some kind of implants in his brain where he could control him or something, and it went wrong, I could buy that. But he created Doomsday on purpose. And I'm with Ryan. How the hell was he going to stop it? You know, if super if he killed Superman, where was the guy was going to end? Then we find out he's got Darkseid whispering in his ear. This guy's supposed to hate these aliens and he that are gods. Hell, Darkseid's a new god. You know, it's like I, I, it didn't. None of his motivations made a lick of sense to me. And on top of me not liking the way they portrayed Lex, I thought he was like Heath Ledger's Joker without any of the menace or the dark humor because I didn't think he was funny. So I, I, everything with him was just a total fail for me. I, I loved everything he did with the senator. I thought no, all I, of that was beautiful. Go ahead. Whoever's giggling, go ahead. That's me. Uh, okay, so, all right, two questions before, and then I'll address that. How did he figure out that Clark Kent was Superman, and how did he figure out that Bruce Wayne was Batman? Because his, his plans rely on both of those crucial bits of information. Everything to do with the mm-hmm. senator, everything to do with the senator, had, had no effect on the plot. He, he was using the senator to manipulate Superman to going into the courtroom to blow it all up and frame Superman only to incite Batman into taking on Superman. But Batman already had the motivation to, to want to kill Superman because he had post-traumatic stress disorder from his 9-11 experience in the first five minutes. None of that stuff with the senator impacted the plot at all. It was 45 minutes out of a two-and-a-half-hour movie that could have been cut. I don't know that he decided to blow up the Capitol until she cock-blocked him on getting the kryptonite, though. He already had the kryptonite on a boat that he was bringing to... And why did it matter that... That why did it matter that Batman stole the kryptonite to use in his own things if, super, if Lex could have done the exact same thing? Lex could have built this kryptonite suit. Right. Well, that's what Lex was going yeah, to do. I, that's the thing... Well, hold on. I don't know. I don't know that your argument makes sense. Lex got the kryptonite. He was trying to bring it into the country legally. The senator blocked him, so therefore he had to go through this really long, drawn-out process to get it here. So then he took his revenge on the senator and figured he'd take a hit at Superman at the same time. Then Bruce gets his hands on it and does probably what Lex would have done as well, as far as creating the weapons go. So where's that break? Where's that fall apart, though? Lex was already employing Russian mercenaries. Why was it important that he get the kryptonite in legally with like through like proper import channels? He didn't need to do that. He didn't need to go through that step. He was going to make a fortune from the government for it, from it. The plan doesn't make sense. Okay? 
None of this, yeah, none of this makes sense. Okay, things make sense in a film like this. Uh, when I mean, yeah, in a film like this, this is like Doctor Who. It makes sense emotionally, hopefully, but it doesn't make sense when you look at it too closely. It's you know, it's Man of Steel was the same. While you're watching it, things it may seem. Sense for... Well, you know, some things make sense emotionally. I think, <laughs> but, as we'll go through other characters, but yeah, I think. Probably Lex Luthor is the guy that he's thinking 20 steps ahead, but playing 30 different, you know, chessboards at the same time. So he's 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 plan being everything. If if we're gonna assign proper motivations to his actions, he's actually covering all his bases all the time. And if one plan doesn't work, then another plan will work because I'm running this show all the way through, and half the time I'm lying to people, you know. So. Uh, Yeah, okay, so let's move on to another character, right? Next on our list is Lois Lane. Okay, here's an established character. Uh, how does she fare in your eyes? We already know Cindy is iffy on her, but um, what about the others? Hi, Rob? Again, I'm perfectly fine with, with everybody. I'm, I'm re I really should be quiet through most of this episode until we get to the part about does Zack Snyder hate Superman? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Noted. Uh, the answer Shaq? is yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was... Actually, just texting. I'm going to pass on Lois. I don't have a lot of comment beyond I don't buy her as, as Cindy said, being aggressive enough. Uh, the only other thing we're saying is more bathtub scenes. Right. <laughs> Chris. See, and Chris is over here going like this because he's like he's waiting for me to whop him. <laughs> I didn't say that. Bring it, um, Kentucky I, to Florida. Like I'm it. waiting. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> I, next week, baby. Next week. I, I, I liked. Um... I like I said I like I like Amy Adams as Lois, and I and I, I like that. I think she was probably one of the better developed characters, and that what she did made sense. I mean, she actually she tried to you know when, when she was in the situation. I like that she ran in there. She got in between Batman and Superman, and she went and tried to get the piece of kryptonite. I honestly thought, oh, they're going to kill Lois, especially after that whole deal with Flash coming in and. And you know the, we'll get into the bat visions in a minute, but but uh, so I, I liked the way they handled the character uh, in in the movie, and, I, and and I liked the fact that she felt guilty about the story that you know she was trying to get, um, you know, caused all that commotion in, in Africa and and, and uh, lost people lost their lives because of Superman's intervention there and everything, and and I I liked that they addressed that and. Uh, I thought they had some, they actually paid some attention, maybe because they had Amy Adams. They paid some attention to what they were doing with Lois. She wasn't just, oh, it's Amy Adams as Lois, and she walks across the screen, and, you know. So I, I thought I thought they did a good job with her. Right. I don't know. I don't know if it's just because she's a ginger or what, but she just seems so <laughs> fragile. You know? I mean, it's just like, oh, honey, I could kick your ass, you know? No. I don't get that, Adam. I, I, I I do. I, I do. Don't. I just, you know, I don't know. Okay. Cindy well, V. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Next movie. <laughs> and what the hell with the title? V. What? I mean, you know, I'm sorry, but what? At least put a V.S. I mean, whatever. <laughs> oh, the grammar police. It's, oh. it's the legal <sighs> It's the legal way documents when in a lawsuit it's so-and-so V. so-and-so. Then not enough trial stuff. Yeah. I don't True. care. There's no trial in the movie. That's a good point. I... Uh, I'll get anything to say, Ryan, on uh, Lois? Superman saves her life three times in the movie. 
Um, he stops the guy, the terrorist in Africa, from shooting her. He catches her when Lex pushes her off the building, and he saves her from drowning uh, towards the end. We only see Superman save or carry away or rescue four people in the movie. The little Mexican girl from the factory fire, and then Lois Lane three times. Uh-huh. She, she accounts for 75% of the people we see Superman saving <laughs> in the movie. Except for the whole, you know, all of Metropolis when he defeats Doomsday. Like, no, they made, a very, they made a very good point of saying Metropolis was evacuated. They weren't, fight, they weren't fighting in a populated area because it was after work hours. Anderson well, that, Cooper said so. Town. Yeah, they, they said but no. The rest that, of town still has. Yeah, because apparently it. everybody goes home at nine o'clock. Well, that you know. Uh, I thought they, know, were, the, they were still in Gotham at that time. Point. If the president hadn't ordered a nuke to be fired at them, you know. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> 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 oh no, he didn't. Oh. Now the the other uh, leading lady in the film, Wonder Woman, Diana Prince, Wonder Woman. For, for me, the best character in the movie. Cindy, Chris, over at the Supermates, one of the better ones. Yes, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I know they didn't give her, I, I, they didn't give her enough to do for you to get angry about the way they were portraying her. They gave you just enough. They gave you just enough. That you were intrigued. That you were intrigued by her, and I, I, I like the fact. I thought that they wove her uh, backstory, uh, what little we know of it, into the movie really well. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm like. When we found out Wonder Woman was going to be in this, I'm like, okay, what are they, where are they going to shoehorn Wonder Woman into this thing? And, uh, you know, I thought they set her up really well. I thought that was one of the better thought-out plot points in the movie because, obviously, as we've discussed, there's a lot of not very well thought-out plot points. Uh, and, and I thought that one – I thought they paid that one off pretty good, and I liked the – the relationship with her and Batman reminded me maybe we're, we're, we're maybe we're going into a Justice League Unlimited zone with them too, which I liked, you know. So where they they have a you know a flirtatious relationship, and I and I'd like to I'd like to see them do something with that. So I, I and all around everything to do with Wonder Woman, I thought was really well done. And the part where she's fighting Doomsday and he knocks her back and she comes back and she just got this slow grin on her face as she charges back into battle. I'm like, there you go. The one thing I wanted to see was when she was getting off that airplane, I wanted her to step off and spin around and turn into the Wonder Woman outfit. (laughs) (laughs) What about, yeah, Shag, I believe you believe she's hot. I've kind of said my piece on her already. I think she's fantastic. I I bought her portrayal. I loved the character. I felt she was very strong. Um, was seriously impressed. I think Cindy kind of summed up most of my feelings. The only, the only other thing I want to comment is when she had the magic lasso on oh, Doomsday, the oh. audience went insane. There was it only made two times me incredibly happy. There was only two times during the movie that the, well, there's three times in the movie when the audience really reacted big time. One was when she first showed up in the costume, the audience cheered. Then we saw the magic lasso, they all cheered again, and then when the credits rolled, they all cheered and applauded. So clearly, Wonder Woman was the fan favorite. Yeah, I was so afraid that you know I've I, I've been desensitized to that the damn sword and shield look, and I was like, oh, we'll never see Wonder Woman with a magic lasso ever again. So when that that thing came up, so awesome. What about you, Rob? Uh, I thought Wonder Woman was was great. Uh, like I said, she was my favorite part of the movie outside of of the fifteen seconds with Aquaman. Uh, I did like the way they weaved her story in and out. Uh, I, reading some of the reviews by some critics who, according to some BVS fans, are the worst people ever in history. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, you know, they were saying, oh, Wonder Woman just comes in at the end, which I did. That's not really true. She's, she's woven in and out. I like that 
that a lot. I like that this Wonder Woman is going to have an accent. I think that's kind of good to get people acclimated to, you know, not all superheroes are white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Uh, I feel like that was a nice touch. The one bit of dialogue that really confused me, and maybe they will answer this in the movie, in the Wonder Woman movie, is when they see the picture of her, and clearly she says, like, she's, she mentioned that she's basically been in retirement for 100 years. She hasn't put the costume on in 100 years. And I'm like... So she's basically saying whatever threat is coming, presumably Darkseid, is so bad that she's coming out of retirement to be Wonder Woman again. Really? Hitler? Hitler was not enough to get her out of retirement. <laughs> That's pretty bad. So, uh, you know, I mean, I would like to think that some stuff came up in the last hundred years that was worthy of her, you know, her appearing. But maybe they'll answer that in the movie. I don't know. Now, well, she said she gave up on me. I, I, she didn't retire. She gave up. On, so I think she was disgusted by our actions, and Hitler would be a good example of her disgust. And Doomsday was something otherworldly and a monster that she saw she could fight. That's how I took that. Okay, maybe so. I'm, I'm completely withholding judgment because I, I'm going to go see the movie. Maybe they'll answer all that satisfactorily. It just sort of jumped out at me a little, like, really? You couldn't get out of, you couldn't come back to help fight Hitler? Help the JSA fight Hitler? But, okay, maybe so. <laughs> Anything to add, Ryan? I, I think the only reason... Go ahead, Chris. Uh, sorry, I was going to say real quick. Uh, sorry, I was going to say I think the only reason that we're getting a, a World War One era Wonder Woman movie is because First Avenger already did that. So you know, I think that's why you're not getting Wonder Woman versus Hitler. You're probably right, Chris. You're probably exactly right. For me, Wonder Woman was the most fun, watchable thing about the movie. But I disagree with everybody about the way she was used. I think you could cut her out of this movie entirely, and the story does not change. The way she was interwoven earlier and the fight scenes at the end, you could cut Wonder Woman from this movie, and the story doesn't change. Because her whole, her whole thing is is getting back that picture of her. I mean, it's pretty right. slim reasoning to you know to have her uh, intersect with with Batman in here. Uh, but that said, you know, I think she's she's one of the lighter elements. She's one of the people having uh, some measure of fun in the film. Uh, and and the, I mean, I, I love seeing her in a white dress when she was in that ballroom attire. The white dress immediately, I was like, oh, this is like the late sixties, early seventies pantsuit Wonder Woman. It's like she's like a jet setter kind of character, not just a superhero. Um, anyway, that this, that evoked that for me. No one else. No one loves the pantsuit. No, I, I, I hadn't thought it. I thought I hadn't thought of that, but now that you say that, I I, I like that, and that might have been. Who knows? That might have been a nod to that. The the, the yeah. one thing that meant, that that occurs to me is your mentioning of that the pantsuit, the Emma Peel Wonder Woman, is that by saying that she's basically been not active for a hundred years, that denies us different Wonder Woman movies that could be made at different periods. Yeah, you could true. have done a '60s Wonder Woman true. movie, a '40s Wonder Woman movie, a '70s Wonder with bell bottoms. That would have been. You could have made a thousand different Wonder Woman movies of all different time periods, but they've got rid. Of, they completely got rid of that concept by saying she's been away for a hundred years. But you know, say love Damn it, Zack Snyder. Uh, they can change their mind. Yeah, she lied they, to they, Bruce. They can change their mind. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm, everybody's lying in this film. I'm being. Oliver Queen spent five years on that island, but they've spent the last three seasons showing him, I was in China, I was here, I was back in Star City. I bought, you know, the dude spent like two days on that damn island. (laughs) (laughs) He was suffering from heat stroke and exhaustion and dehydration. All of the stuff in the second and third season are hallucinations. (laughs) Possible, possible. Ryan, let's talk Batman. (laughs) Oh, let's... (laughs) 
Do you buy the grizzled, <laughs> jaded Batman who's now crossing the line? Um, as a logical extension of the Batman that we've gotten from the last couple of years, yes. I mean, it seems like it's the natural point to go with the character. In terms of, I mean, this is a this is a Batman who clearly his heart has been broken, and he has pretty much given up any illusions of what he does. He says to Alfred, we're criminals, we have always been criminals. And if you want to get strictly, you know, nuanced, like, break down the character of Batman, yes, that you cannot argue that point. But for Batman to admit that is the same as, you know, in Batman Begins when they acknowledge that no, Batman is the real personality. That's who it's really about, and Bruce Wayne is the facade. I think when you do that, you're making a moral judgment about the character that he is He is somewhat sociopathic. And then I don't think you can call him a hero. I don't think Batman can be crazy and a hero at the same time. I think those are mutually exclusive. And this was a version of Batman who was not a hero. And that's not just because he killed... Villains. I mean, we've seen Batman kill people since the 1989 Batman movie. He killed a lot of the Joker's goons and the Joker himself. But there is a moment in this movie when he's chasing the bad guys in the Batmobile and he's going through the streets of Gotham and he's he's flipping cars and then dragging cars and using cars as like whiplashes to like take out other cars. There's a moment when a truck pulls out into the street presumably an innocent bystander truck, and one of the Russians' cars crashes into it, and that truck explodes. There was a civilian driver in that truck who died from that explosion. Batman, indirectly or not, is responsible for the death of an innocent person in that. And then, spoilers for the end of the movie, Batman holds a gun. He's pointing an M60 machine gun at the KGB-style Russian mercenary who's got a flamethrower pointed at Martha Kent. Batman has decided he's going to kill this guy, but rather than shoot him in the head or the center of his mass and just put him out, Batman shoots the tank of the flamethrower, thereby causing it to explode, putting Martha Kent in greater danger, and Batman then has to protect her with his cape. Like... He doesn't have super speed. He he risked her life needlessly at that moment. So it's not the way, it's not the fact that Batman kills in this movie. It's the indiscriminate, I don't give a crapness about the way he does it. And yes, I do believe that Batman was responsible for the death of an innocent person in this movie. So. Which is the same thing that makes him go after Superman. Yeah. Yes. So his his exactly. mission is hypocritical. Hello. That is exactly the flipping point. <laughs> exactly. Tell me new one, exactly. Cindy. Thank you. So, <laughs> so for the people, like, yeah, good job. Ben Affleck played the crap out of this version of Batman. I don't ever want to see this version of Batman again. I'm never gonna. I'm not going to see a solo Batman movie in this world. So, sorry. I'm going. This is this. <laughs> For listeners, if you haven't caught on already, this is going to be my answer to every one of these questions. So if if, I'm, if you don't like what I'm saying, skip over. Hit like the, the skip 15 seconds whenever I'm talking. So. Well, well, what about Shag? See, Shag's positive about things, right? <laughs> you, you, you've hit Poor Shag. He's a man on an island by himself. Um, <laughs> Mr. Enthusiasm. Okay. Well, I, I will say, as I mentioned, I in the top of the show, I said I enjoyed the movie. Now, one thing I said in a lot of my comments was, though, as logic and analysis begin to come into the picture, I can't defend the film. 
I really can't. I just know that I enjoyed the spectacle of it. And watching Batman blow up a bunch of crap and kill bad guys was a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed that. Now, take a step back from that. I cannot even remotely say that the Batman we saw in the movie is any relation to any of the Batmans in the comic books. They're not. It just doesn't work that way. As Ryan said, this Batman had, was doing things that he was going after Superman for. I think the story they're trying to tell, and it was purposeful in, in the story. It was not accidental. They're trying to show that Batman has lost it, and he's at the point where his fight against crime has turned him into the very monster he's trying to stop. That's what they're trying to show us, is that he's too far gone. And, and you mentioned that scene where Batman says, you know, we, we've always been criminals. The real clue in that scene, though, is Alfred responding by saying, no, this is different. And he's pointing out that, no, Bruce, you're not who you used to be. So that, there's that side of that. So, um, you know, we know he, they showed us that he lost Robin, clearly. He lost to the Wayne Tower. So he's freaking out of his mind. So that's one side. I'm not, I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying I'm cool with it. I'm just saying that's what they were trying to show us, this vision of Batman killing bad guys and indiscriminately wasting people left and right. But does uh, anyone think that he, uh, he arcs through the film, that at the end he's well, no longer... That's where I'm going. Ready? Is Okay. Is that the trigger is hearing the name Martha. That's where he begins to realize what he's done, how far he was willing to go. He, he, the whole movie... He was set up to commit premeditated murder. That was the entire plot of his, his actions in the film. He was planning to kill Superman from the beginning of the film. So that right there shows you it's not a Batman that any of us feel comfortable with. And it, it, when, he, she said, when he, he says Martha, that's supposed to be the part where you feel like his journey has changed. And I sort of got on board with that until Ryan just pointed out that he shot the flamethrower after that scene rather than just taking out the guy. That Yeah, okay, that's not good. Um, but I kind of get on board with it um, that the Martha I feel like he came around a little too fast calling Superman his friend a few minutes after that but the fact I liked that he had the trigger and then he started to work with Superman which we ultimately knew they were going to team up anyway so hopefully if we do see a Batman movie he won't be indiscriminately killing people anymore because he will have realized he was becoming the monster he was trying to stop Supermates? Um, I think uh, I'm I understand what Shag said. I think he's. I think we are, have seen a Batman. At, he's at the end of his rope. This is very much a Frank Miller Batman. Um, when we all know that Zack Snyder has a man crush on Frank Miller, uh, and I think he, I think he even upped the Dark Knight Batman to like eleven. You know, uh, because he's even more, like you said, indiscriminate about killing people. I mean, whenever really we kind of well in the scene in the scene that they rip off with Martha. It's, I mean, it's directly from the Dark Knight. He comes through the wall, he grabs one guy, he gets the gun, and they, the dialogue's even the same. Believe me, I'll do it. I believe you. You know, and he, he shoot, but instead of shooting the guy, like you, like you pointed out, uh, Ryan, he shoots the tank, and I was waiting for him to shoot the guy because that would have made more sense, and like you said, not have endangered Martha. And also, I couldn't decide right before that, right before he gets into the room where Martha's at, I couldn't say he's either got one of his batarangs or a knife. He stabs it. I can't tell if he stabs it into a guy's shoulder or his chest. Uh, it was right up in the screen, and I couldn't decide. Did he just stab that guy right in the chest? I, 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 what did, did you guys see that? I think it was the stunner. Uh, okay. No, it was okay. like the. It looked like the. Yeah. I, yeah. I was, thought it was the shoulder. It was like pinning him to the okay. wall, I guess. Okay. Well, you know, and I thought, you know, the, bat, the Batmobile chase 
it, you know, it was... It was straight out of an Arkham game. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was. It was straight out of an Arkham game. There were several things that, you know, they were appealing to the video game crowd, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that was straight out of an Arkham game. The whole deal with Flash warning Batman that Superman will go nuts if something happens to Lois, that's the plot of Injustice Gods Among Us. So, you know, uh, so, you know, there, there's that. And the the deal where Batman, like, comes, the Batmobile, like, jumps off of, and uh, elevation and lands on the back end of that truck. I mean, he just smashed all those guys in that truck. Yeah, I mean, you know. And of course, the machine gun fire and everything. Like we've seen that in the Michael Keaton movies. Michael Keaton shoved a bomb down a guy's pants, you know, and threw him over a, a ledge, and he blew up in the Batman Returns. So, but I, you know, I really I, I can't get down with that. I, I understand that the Batman's, you know, at the end, like I said, at the end of his rope, he's 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 lost it. And I, I think Alfred, I, I think you're right, Chad, I think Alfred was there to show us how far he had fallen. Alfred was still beside him, but even Alfred wasn't really on board with what he was doing. And I think, I hope that if they do go forward, they will, you know, kind of tone that part of him down. But like you said, that part with Martha happened after. And I do think Batman's instant switch I do like the fact that they find. I don't know if any has anybody ever done anything with the fact that Superman and Batman's moms are both named Martha. I I couldn't think of anything. That was the but first that's I always been kind of weird to me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, very I little like that it. they did. And I I I know as soon as I, I even kind of thought that might come into play when Thomas Wayne said Martha. You know, at the beginning, I'm like, that's going to be somehow how they come together. Super, they've got that in common. Superman and Batman. And uh, I just think his turn was way too quick. They needed to back that fight up about 20 minutes back into the movie. And uh, that would have made his eventual change. We were getting toward the end of the movie. They had to team up. He had to start helping Superman. They had to, he had to save Martha. He had to fight Doomsday. But I think they could have backed that up quite a bit. Maybe cut out some of the senator parts. <laughs> Oh, I just keep thinking about the poor fact that why is it that every time we're portrayed on TV, every Kentuckian is a moron? <laughs> yeah, she was a senator from Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> Holly Hunter's character. Peach tea yeah, I, I, and bourbon mash and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Honey, please. Well, that's, that's Holly Hunter's accent. So I, I, mean, I know, I but mean, even Kentucky, is, Kentucky is not the South, quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's not. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I, I'm from Florida, so I'm just glad for once it was in Florida being made fun of. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that scene, that scene with the flying, got the that that scene with the flying demons. That was in Florida, wasn't it? Thanks. Lovely. <laughs> They're called mosquitoes, Rob. Uh, but yeah, Rob, what about uh, what about Batman for you? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the same page as Ryan. I really don't like Killer Batman. That's just you know, I'm just like no. That's I mean yeah, that's been the Batman we've had in every movie. I think pretty much he's killed people. So I guess that I'm just you know I'm an old fart and I just I'm not on that train. But here he seems very indiscriminate about who he's killing, and uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. And really, all it took for him to snap out of it was that. His mom's name was the same name as Clark's mom. Really? That's all it took? Um, and then, you know, I'm going to get this in because I'm going to forget otherwise. You know, Batman is supposed to be this genius tactician through this whole movie. That's his whole bit. 
So he spends the whole movie forging the kryptonite spear, only to then just throw it away. Oh, I'm not going to need this anymore, ka-chunk. And then he just throws it away, and the movie spends 15 minutes uh, showing Lois retrieving it. I, I'm like, that, that, that's like a challenge of the Super Friends moment. That's like something Lex Luthor would have done. In fact, he does do something just like that in the episode where they kill Batman because he's got the kryptonite thing, and he's like, right, now, that we, now that we've killed all the Super Friends, we won't need this anymore, and he throws it down a sewer. I'm like, really, Batman? You spent the whole movie making this stupid thing, and then you just throw it away. I, he just threw it down. Lois threw it in the, in the pit. All right, but I mean, you would think you yeah. would maybe want to hold on to it or something. I mean, I, all right, I'm not going to kill you with it, but I'm going to hold on to it because, you know, what the hell. But all right, whatever. <laughs> For other Kryptonians. You know he had a little case to put it in, you know. <laughs> he had a little case in the bat plane somewhere, you know. There. <laughs> Just put it back in there. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, the moment where the – that's exactly a moment where it emotionally makes sense, the Martha moment. I mean, in no way does it motivate <laughs> what Batman does next. The, oh, it's like, yeah, our moms have the same names, dude. We're, we're bros. That's, that's a bit of how it plays. But, when you think about it later, but in the moment, that's the only it's the only non Wonder Woman related moment that actually got me because I knew of the because they they never do anything with that the, the two the two big orphan boys of the DC universe have a mother with the same name and then why you know why are you saying that name and it's just screwing with his mind and at that point Superman is not beating. Or convincing Batman, and Lois isn't beating or convincing Batman. It's the ghost of his mother doing it. It, you know, it returns him to. Well, it resets his, his mother that pops out of the crypt. Yeah, whatever that was. Uh, yeah, save and, it for a minute. Well, we do get. Well, maybe that's the perfect segue where uh, we we get the second. For the second time at that moment, we get the because we're we're morons. The audience is, is made up of morons. We need to re-see the flashback to the, the parents' death so that we because you know obviously the first one was uh, two hours before. As two hours before, we were told that Martha was Batman's mother's name, and we need to see all that footage again. <sighs> That's one of the visions. Uh, but what did you think of the visions? Were the actors the paid by screen time, and that's why it's so long? <laughs> you know? Yeah, the, the woman playing Martha Wayne wanted an extra paycheck. Uh, <laughs> another second. You know, that's the only reason I can figure that they did it again. I'm like, you know, why? Oh. Oh, I've seen this in, in other terrible films <laughs> where, where people have, are having flashbacks of something that happened 10 minutes ago, that kind of thing. Um, because the movie is very glib about everybody's motivations and why things are happening and what the plans actually are. Uh, you know, all of that is sketched in and non-verbalized or cut out of the film. But we do need the flashback twice. I think, it was I think, it, I think that flashback was fine being shown again. It was only for a moment on the screen, and it reminded the audience that the connection, because it's so critical of Batman's turn. I thought it was fine. Possibly for people who don't no. read, read comics, maybe, but, uh, but I was sick of it the first time, Shag. The first time we saw that flashback, <laughs> oh, here we go, here we go. Frank Miller wanking. It's, it's year one all over again. I've seen these images a hundred times. Oh, and they're, they're, you know, it's, I've seen them in other films. 
But it, so I said boring. the same thing. When they showed that scene, I said, why the hell are we seeing Batman's origin again? I thought to myself, everyone in this room has knows Batman's origin, even if they've never read a friggin' comic book. Everyone knows this. We don't need this. But it all made sense for the Martha, when, when Bruce finally flips back and, and realizes the monster has become, you've got to have that Martha connection, that powerful moment. So it made sense why that scene was in there. It made sense with the flashback. And, and believe me, I don't think this is the flashback we need to be talking about. Or, or vision, I should say. There's a whole okay. lot of other visions we need to be talking about. Which vision should we be talking about? May go I go ahead. first? Yeah, go. Okay. I'm the one defending the movie for the most part. I'm the one who is sort of positive on this movie. And I will tell you, I almost got up and walked out in the first 15 seconds of this movie or whatever is when Bruce starts, or maybe it's the first five minutes, when Bruce starts flying up in the air with the bats... I literally had my hands on the armrest thinking, like, I'm ready to go. The, no. What the hell? All of the bat visions in this movie are batshit crazy and stupid and shouldn't be in the movie. I'm fine with a flashback of his parents' death. That's fine. But the thing where he flies up with the bats, the thing where the, they're in the crypt and the bat comes out to get him, um, what the hell is that about? Now, Chris touched on something very good. When you mentioned the flash vision... And how that's the plot of the Injustice Mm -hmm. video game. And then the Superman Uh vision in the desert is another one where that could have maybe been the Injustice world as well. My stepson actually speculated Mm -hmm. to me, he goes, what if this is the multiverse? What if he's seeing bits of other parallel Earths and that's why they're showing these particular scenes? Otherwise, those scenes make no friggin' sense whatsoever. Other than you get to put in the commercial Batman, Mm -hmm. Superman unmasking Batman. That's the only reason to put that in the the movie. Um, even if they are showing us the multiverse, why the hell is Bruce Wayne having these visions? It was stupid, and it made me mad, and it's the only thing about the film that really, really gets in my skin are those stupid bad visions. Next. Yeah, Batman, is vi- Batman, uh, Batman is Cisco from the Flash TV show. He's vibing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> suddenly. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that, the visions, I can't, yeah, what... I, the, when the when Bruce young Bruce floated up amongst the bats, you could just hear in the people going, "What the hell? What 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 what?" what? All around us. I mean, the whole theater was like, "What?" You know, it's just. I mean, it totally lost everyone when that happened. I'm like, okay, this this yeah that. I'm with you. I was like, this is not good. This is not a good sign. And uh, you know, the, the the crazy bat creature. Of course, you get the big omega symbol and the. You know the desert battle and the parademons and all that stuff, and you know we gotta assume that's all connected to dark side and 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 everything. But yeah, the the visions were just, you know, why would he, why would Batman have those other than, you know, because he's the the main the central title character of the movie, and I yeah that that's a case where. That was, and, and I know we're not we're not supposed to compare this to the Marvel uh, cinematic movies. That was Marvel envy. That and the the Justice League setup thing. That was that was okay. We sat on our hands for ten years. Uh, we've got to get this cram as much stuff in in this one movie to set up all these other movies we've got planned. And uh, I think it hurt the film. Though. I think especially, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the whole. I think the, the I think the flash part was the weakest because to me it was the worst because to me you're already established Batman hates Superman but you know at the end of this movie they're going to have to team up they're going to have to bury the hatchet so there can be a Justice League movie 
And then you have The Flash come in before this movie's even done and say, you were always right about him. If Lois dies, he's going to go batshit crazy. You know, I mean, you just killed the end of this movie by saying it doesn't matter if you guys get along or not. Something happens to Lois, Superman's going to destroy the Earth and take it over. So, I mean, it's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> we're not even out of this movie yet, and you're already painting Superman as a villain again, which is, it, Zack Snyder hates Superman part 15, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Can I say how much I hated the fact that Batman and Superman's first on-screen appearance together is in a dream? Yes. What a uh, what a waste! What a waste! You, you, we've been waiting seventy-five years for this, and oh oh, it, but it's in a sequence that nobody cares about because it doesn't mean anything. Thanks, thank, thanks, uh, Zack Snyder. Brian, it's the first time we see Batman too. <laughs> no, Rob and I we've talked about that already. It's yes, I I actually. I stopped watching the movie in the theater and sent out like a Facebook message to some of my friends at that moment during that vision because I realized that the first time Batman and Superman are sharing screen time in costume in this movie is a dark dystopian hallucination. It's just a fundamental lack of understanding of the characters, the fandom, their history, and storytelling. It just, yeah, nope, that was it. <laughs> well, for me, I was, I'm actually afraid that it's not the multiverse, that they really are setting up one of those uh, dark side, corrupt Superman stories that we've seen before uh, in the comics. Oh, God. So, oh, yeah. Well, look at this. Look at this world. Look at look at this world. Superman is. We're going to talk about Superman in a second. And Superman is so dark compared to what we think of as Superman, that, that, that's why Batman, who was already dark, has to go even darker. So this is all leading to, you know, the, the Earth is going to be destroyed by the end of this, by the end of this franchise. At least, that's my fear. Uh, but let's talk Superman. I mean, he, that, that was, this is supposed to be a sequel to his the Man of Steel. So this is his film, <laughs> sort of. Uh, what do we think of... Uh, yeah, sort of. But I mean, it, it is follow. It is a sequel to the events of Man of Steel, even if it's not necessarily a second Superman film necessarily. Uh, Chris and Cindy, Superman, in this. Poor Henry Cavill. <laughs> I, just, I just feel sorry for him. I mean, the poor guy, this is supposed to be his movie, and I mean, his name's not even first in the title. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I feel bad for him too, because I think... At no point does he ever get, and I, this is the same stuff leveled at Man of Steel, but at no point, I think as dark as this movie was, and, and because we wanted, we needed, we needed as the audience to be on Superman's side, that a couple of, just a couple of minutes of, like when he saves the, the girl in Mexico in the factory, if they'd showed him flying and say, it's okay, would you like to fly? You want to fly with me? Or something like that, you know? And pick her up and fly her out and have a smile on his face. And it's okay now when he pits her down. That would have went a long way to painting Superman in a positive light. Let Henry Cavill smile. Because I've seen the guy smile in interviews. He has a nice smile. You know, let the guy smile. Not look like, you know, somebody just crapped in his Cheerios. Uh, in his, you know, Batman v Superman Cheerios. I'm and, telling you, he's got a wedgie. And, 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 and it would have given, given us a moment, uh, you know, of levity. But Snyder so hell-bent on showing him as this Messiah Christ figure 
that he has to every time, you know, Superman's flying, it's got to be, you know, and, and everybody putting their hands on him and everything and, and him having this look on his face like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with all this. I don't understand. I don't know how to deal with it. And it's like, come on, man. See, Get- I took it as more when he saved the girl in Mexico. I took it more of this is what I'm after. I want to be adored. <gasps> I want to be seen as a savior. No. That I did. I really Shut did. Your mind. I, think I that don't think so. I, <laughs> I wanted that for him. I wanted that for him. I wanted him to feel that way. You did? But I, I just I just I, took it that he was just like, you know, this is my due. This is, you know, oh. if I'm going to put myself out there, this is what I'm supposed to be getting. Oh, well, I get that. That's okay. what I mean. I, I, I kind of get that. But I don't think Superman should ever do it for adulation. But, you know, that's He looked me. uncomfortable to me. I mean, you let it happen, yeah, but he seemed uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. Well, Shag, you, you want to defend the Superman? Yeah, I I, com- I I disagree with Cindy completely, which really isn't that uncommon. But um, I think that... <laughs> Why aren't we married? <laughs> I think there's a whole Mr. Franklin and Miss Matthews thing in the way there. But anyway. Um, oh, yeah. I, I yeah think, okay. Now, by the way, I need to send a shout out. Thank you to Luke Dobb and Daniel Cynical Adams. After the movie, I spent some time talking with Daniel and text and Luke and Facebook and stuff. And they helped me kind of crystallize some thoughts here. Superman, I felt like he was very likable. He was, I felt like he's a regular guy emotionally who was struggling with this. He, he, you know, in the bathtub scene before he climbs in the tub, he's talking with Lois and he's, doesn't know how to process this because he's just trying to do the right thing. He's just trying to help people. And the scene when he's in, uh, I guess it was Mexico or wherever he was, and he saved the girl from the, the burning building, I felt like he was incredibly uncomfortable with that. He doesn't want that adulation. He's just trying to help her and get her back to her family, but at the same time, he doesn't want to also be a, a jerk and just take off. He realizes these people sort of want to reach out to him, so he's letting him, but he's like, I don't feel good about this. I, I like this guy. I feel like he's in a situation that's completely out of his control because if you step away from the comics and just think about a man who can fly and has all these crazy powers comes to our planet, I think that's what would happen. He, he has, you know, there's, there's no one checking him. He, he doesn't have to report to anyone, so therefore he does whatever he wants. So the news is, the 24-hour news cycle is constantly going to be badgering, saying that he's, you know, uncontrolled, does whatever he wants. Then there's going to be the religious figures that say he's from heaven and all this nutso stuff. I, I'm a, I think Zach painting him as the Messiah figure, I don't think Zach's trying to say he's a Messiah figure. And I don't think Zach's trying to say that's the right thing. I don't think Zach Snyder hates Superman. I think he's trying to show how the world would turn against him. And then in the end, when Superman, spoiler, gives his life to stop Doomsday... I, I don't think Zach's saying he hates her. I think he's trying to shoot Superman in the best possible light. He's trying to show this heroic thing that Superman does to save all these people. That's my I'm gonna build. I'm going to build on what like, you just said. Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I, I was just going to say I, I did. I did like at the very end. We got a very heroic act out of Superman. A very selfless, very heroic act. You can you can debate whether or not it was Superman at his smartest. You know the way he approached it, but given what was going on, I I, I did. I did think that they that that was a that was more of a, what we get, we expect from Superman than what we've got uh, in in Man of Steel and the majority of this film and and I and I do feel bad for him. I mean, I do. I mean, you can't help but feel sorry for him. He's such a sad sack. But I just wish they and I understand why he is. But I just wish they would have just a few moments of just the joy. You know, Superman being Superman is not can't be all bad. You know, so. 
that 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 was my thing. But go ahead, Sisquid. I'm sorry. Well, I, yeah. want, I want to add. I want to add one thing to what Chris just said about Henry Cavill. I thought I saw him smile in the movie. Maybe maybe I just saw in interviews because you're right. Henry Cavill smiles and it lights up the room. He's got a Christopher Reeve smile. He's it's that good. So seeing mm-hmm. him happy would have gone a distance in the film. You're right, Sisquid. Go ahead. Yeah, you have to watch uh, Man from Uncle for sure. Um, for for the correct Superman from uh, Henry Cavill, but the the whole idea that it's again this film doesn't verbalize what it needs to, and I'm a lot of the sympathy I feel for Superman comes comes from Cavill's performance. So when he's just watching TV and you know it's like uh, uh, the American people against him and hearings and Senate hearings and whatever, you can see him in his face. You you can see he's struggling with this. He doesn't know what the right thing is to do, and when he goes to people and asks, he doesn't really get any very good answers, really. So he, he's struggling. There's an inner struggle, but it needs to. I think the film needs to verbalize it, and it never does. He doesn't really talk about it with Lois, per se. They sort of sweep it under the rug or into the tub, and he doesn't... <laughs> yeah, when he, when he talks to his mom... She gives him like, um, well, it's it's like they shot two dialogues and used both. You know, um, we're not sure if uh, you know Ma Kent is going, uh, uh, be their angel, be their hero, or don't give a damn, whatever. You know, she, she says both, you know, or don't be anything. The this world owes you nothing. You owe nothing to this world. Well, which is it, Ma? Um, you know, it's very weird, but. It's his and I mean it's Superman in like it or not it's Superman in the real world kind of thing it's not an approach I I like necessarily but it's Superman if he were really in the polarized America that we know today where you know half the people he's Obama half the people like him and half the people hate him and it's it's all very uh, it seems very extreme from the outside he's it's this is what's happening to the character right. Yeah, and, and again, what Snyder's yep. trying to build is this, as people say, they hate him because all the things that happens in the movie, but they're just trying to show this incredible adversity he's up against. You know, he's, Superman has to have a challenge, and if he's not punching it, what's he going to be up against? Well, in this case, the adversity is everyone Pu- hating public him. Public opinion, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Um, so, like Batman, I feel like if you hold Superman to the level of scrutiny of what would this character be like in the real world? I don't think you're going to like what you say or what you see, sorry. Um, which is why I think this particular hyper-realistic approach to these characters is a wrong approach. And as I was saying, I would, I would rather see, I would rather, I would honestly rather see the version of Superman that Lex Luthor is afraid of than a Superman that is paralyzed by inaction. And, you need Superman to believe that what he is doing is righteous because otherwise if he's if he's got all of this power that he's terrified of using, then he can be manipulated, then he can be pushed. Or you've just got a boring character that doesn't do what you've paid the money to see him do. And I feel like Man of Steel did not give me Superman. I don't think Man of Steel was about Superman. It was about Jor-El and Pa Kent. Um, and I feel like this one too wasn't it didn't give me Superman being Superman, and it it comes down to one moment, one shot in this movie that I saw in the trailer, which is people 
in a flood zone, a family sitting on their roof begging for help. They've painted the Superman S shield on their roof. And the woman reaches out to him, and we get this slow motion pan that turns up, and Superman is hovering above her. And it's Snyder trying to do something cool-looking, but lost in the shuffle of him trying to be so clever and so artistic, you're missing the fact that Superman is standing over these people who were begging him for help, and he is not helping them. Or he's just taking his sweet-ass time to help them. And, and either way... Freaking exactly. And, it, and it's, it, the, then it is repeated when the Capitol blows up, killing all of these people, and we get this shot of Superman standing in the fire thinking, how did I screw up this badly? Why is it all of this is going to fall on my head because I didn't save these people, and they're right, I failed, I completely dropped the ball. Meanwhile, people in this building are still alive. Soledad O'Brien might be burning alive, and he could be saving them, he could be rescuing other people, but he's standing there crying in the fire. And Rob, (laughs) I know you feel the same way. Yeah, well, this was the whole that that scene especially was the crux of the reason why I really despise this movie, and I think that this movie despises Superman. Uh, the filmmakers, Warner Brothers, Zack Snyder, I think they don't like Superman, and I don't think, and I'm not saying that it would be okay if the movie was showing us a world that hated Superman. That's different. That's a different story. I think the people who made this movie don't like Superman. Uh, watching him stand there immobile, looking like he is got some sort of gastrointestinal problem while all of Congress is on fire and he just stands there, I thought, what am I watching? What is this? Why do these people hate Superman so much? And then I thought, well, okay, maybe I'm being uncharitable. Maybe it's like, you know, this is what the world looks like at at super speed. You know, like to us, it's it. This is going by in a nanosecond, but to Superman, it's slow. Maybe maybe it's some sort of artistic thing that Zack Snyder is just not pulling off. But then that scene is compounded by the following scene over at Lois's hotel room, where Superman is standing on the balcony whining, and you can hear in the distance ambulances. Which means there are people being rescued from the firing building, and instead of Superman going in there and rescuing people, oh, and I don't know, taking them to the hospital, he's standing there listening to his effing Morrissey CDs, talking to his girlfriend, complaining about how bitchy his life is. This movie hates Superman. Those scenes, especially to me, are Zack Snyder just being like, man, Superman sucks, doesn't he? Batman's way cooler. Let's get back to Batman. Oh well, I, I'm going to counter that. You're, you're making some assumptions that anyone's still left alive in the Capitol, and you're making an assumption that those are ambulances and not perhaps fire trucks. I took it as he's standing there, everyone's dead already, and there's nothing he can do. And the trucks, I just assumed were fire trucks. I didn't think they were ambulances. So, so Superman can't help put out a fire? Fair enough. <laughs> I, I don't feel like it's them hating him, though. I think they were just building a story of, all this adversity he's up against, and yet he still does the heroic thing to save everyone at the end, whereas he could have just packed it up and said, well, okay. screw it. I'm just going to go live on the moon, or I'm going to be Clark Kent. Screw the world. All right, why is Superman standing there while the whole room around him is on fire? Because he realizes the colossal mistake he's made. And again, I was assuming everyone was dead already, and he, because of his super hearing, he heard the bomb start to trigger. So therefore, he can hear the whole building, and he knows if there's anyone left to save or not, I would assume. 
But if he but heard the trigger, he could have saved some cape, And there were people immediately behind him. Yeah. Even if it was just his immediate vicinity, he could have saved five or six people. That would have helped save that scene if they'd had him at least, like, you know, cover the bomb, George Reeves style. And, and the blast would have killed people on the other side of him, but, you know, at least would have saved some of them. And then there would have been even more question about what happened because there would have been people left in there and that didn't really understand what happened. I, I mean, he was just standing up. I mean, no defensive position, you know, it's, you know, what? Yeah, that, I mean, that was, it was to, 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 to it was to show how low he had gotten, how, how bad things had gotten for him. But it was just a little, it was way too emo. I mean, that, it was just, I mean, it was just. No, knowing yeah. what he can do, it was contrived. I mean, it makes a point, but, you know, it, it it's not, it, it doesn't really fit what the character can normally do. I'm not sure that Zack Snyder. I, I, I mean, I can't. I agree with Rob, but does he really hate the character, or does he just not know what to do with him? Because the whole film, the whole film doesn't know what to do with Superman or what to think of Superman. Is he messiah or threat? So everybody's asking that question. But even the, the characters that are supposed to have an opinion don't really have an opinion. It's like the Ma Kent. Um, uh, monologue where she says, uh, "Be this, or you know, just uh, chuck it," or or the the senator Senator Finch, she's a, she's running hearings against Superman, but then she wants to block the use of kryptonite against Superman. Where is she on this issue? And nobody's on any side of the issue. And every time somebody tries to uh, to, to talk about whatever issue. It, It's always an interrupted conversation. There's always something happening to stop it from being a conversation. So the Batman and Superman, like their friendship or whatever, their relationship is never, their antagonism is never resolved because there's an interruption. So these guys became friends because without having a conversation about, uh, you know, look, we're on the same side here. This ne there's never this conversation because there's always interruptions. So the whole film does this. And then at the end, we're left with a status quo that wasn't earned. And oh. I think a lot of the what mm. happens to Superman, like putting him through the ringer, that's fine. But a lot of a lot of it isn't really earned or they find way like the whole thing in the desert with the terrorists. Like suddenly Superman is public enemy number one because he went to some Saharan country, took out a few terrorists, and then the terrorists retaliated against villagers. Since when does the U.S. care about whatever Saharan village this was? Yeah, the, it, 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 Superman has been forgiven for all the events at the end of Man of Steel, so much so that they built a statue to him, but then he goes over to some country shoots up a bunch of terrorists, gets shot by a bunch of terrorists, and that turns everybody against him again? Like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, he, 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 he precipitated a 9-11 scale disaster at the end of Man of Steel. In fact, like, 9-11 times 10. Yeah. And, and there's a statue of him. Everybody loves him again. But a couple of guys get shot out in the desert where no one else was around to watch it, and that ruins his reputation again? Like, What? Like, who wrote this American movie? American social media. <laughs> well, as, as the defender of the well, film, I, I, as the defender of the film, I am willing to get on board with Siskoid saying they they don't know what to do with Superman. I agree with that. And some of the scenes were clunky as far as what he could have done in the Pentagon. I'll give you that. I still don't stand by the fact that I think I, I still don't think Snyder hates Superman. I think it's more in line with he just doesn't know how to treat the character. 
I think you know it's. I think they tried to address some of the complaints about Man of Steel. They they had Anderson Cooper tell us that Metropolis had been was mostly empty when Doomsday you know came out. They told us Batman informed us when he led Doomsday back to the harbor that that harbor was empty when he led him back to the city. So I think they were trying to address things like that. But one thing they did not address was Superman. He comes. I know that guy was a terrorist. He had Lois at gunpoint. He flies the guy like through two brick walls. That dude is dead or paralyzed or. Jelly. There's no way that guy survived <laughs> Superman flying him through through two brick walls. I'm sorry. And then when he gets in a fight with Batman, he doesn't want to fight him when, when they're in their big battle. But he tosses Batman around like a like a Frisbee without knowing, is this armor going to protect this guy? He throws him through buildings. <laughs> you know, it's like, how does he know that's not going to kill him or paralyze him? And he's so upset. Well, I didn't kill anybody back there. That wasn't my fault, you know. But but Snyder and company won't rein themselves in. They have to show that that level of destruction that they just can't just show. I mean, Superman could come up to that guy at super speed and flick him in the head like we've seen him many times in the comic books and knocked him out. And that would have probably got a chuckle from the audience, you know. But no, he has to, like, plow through the guy like two or three walls. And, I mean, if he's not going to kill people, because apparently he doesn't want to kill people after he had to kill Zod, then why the hell is he, you know, acting like he's killing people? And that's another thing where they've, that's, uh, they've done a disservice to the character. You know, you guys talked earlier about stuff they missed in the film, the stuff that, like, Superman should have talked about his feelings. They should have had him say, I'm not willing to kill again after what happened with Zod. We're all having to assume that, remembering the previous movie, and they really should have put that in the film. I think if we like it or hate it, we're all making assumptions about characters' motivations, whether they make sense or not, or, you know, we're all forced to do this. I think that's the biggest weakness in the script um you know it's full of plot holes and whatever but the biggest the biggest weakness is that we're all i mean i love ambiguity but there's so much of it here that i feel like you know i'm just i'm trying to win a no prize at times (laughs) right (laughs) are we done with superman can we move on to um some of the bit players the smaller characters uh i think we've i think we've talked about I, I don't know if anyone has anything new to say about Alfred. I think we've kind kind of got, got him covered. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, just raise your hand if, uh, if you have any. Uh, I, Ma Kent has <laughs> been, and I feel like Ma Kent's been pretty much well covered as well. Anyone have anything new to say about Ma Kent? I hated seeing Ma Kent with a gag in her mouth and epithets written over her forehead. That was a very yeah. ugly image to me. The pictures were. Yeah, it was know, horrific. The, that, yeah, that's one of the points where I felt like this isn't the DC Universe. This is something out of a David Fincher movie. This is Seven. Yeah, yep, you know? yep, yep. Uh, yeah. Perry White being the character I hated most in this film. He doesn't know how newspapers work. <laughs> at all. Not ethically, not functionally. Yeah. He's walking around and saying, for me, it's the scene, it's the, the laughable scene where he, he points at Clark Kent and says, today you're on sports. Okay, that never happened. <laughs> And this is the headline. What, what the hell's happening? There's no reporting. It's just him handing out headlines all day. <laughs> and you got to write something that fits there. And then, he, and then he, you know, he's brandishing the newspaper with empty spaces in it. Where's your article? What the hell is going on? <laughs> Kent, we need a jumble today. You do it. <laughs> yeah, who, who's yeah. on crosswords? <laughs> Lois, you're on crosswords. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
nonsense. It reminded me of the Adventures of Superman TV show where there's only three people working there, you know, and they really are doing everything. They portrayed it more like Jay Jonah with the Daily Planet, I mean uh, Daily Bugle, where he just determines what the news is. No, but Jay Jonah Jameson knew, knows what sells papers. That's why he's got a mad on to get Spider-Man pictures. Perry White thinks Batman is a non-story. <laughs> like I, this, I, and I can't believe I'm saying this because Lawrence Fishburne is a phenomenal actor. I don't want to see him in movies anymore because the last <laughs> two parts I've seen him play are this Perry White and in the TV show Hannibal he plays Jack Crawford who is a stupid character and I hate every time he plays a character now. And Lawrence Fishburne's an awesome actor and I don't want to see him anymore. Like, <laughs> I agree well, with yeah. that. Like he, like Perry White might have been my low point of this movie that I hated. Like he might have been the worst part. The visions. Ah, oh, the okay. visions. But then the he worst. kept saying, you know, he kept saying that every time Lois is trying to be a crusading journalist, as she is, it's always he's always shutting her down. You know, it's I oh, don't. No, nobody cares about that. And like Gotham is is Gotham suicide slum in this movie. I mean, it's the it's the one from the comics, basically, from a certain era where Metropolis and uh, Gotham are across the bay from one another. Mm-hmm. But it it yeah, feels that's like what I got. Yeah. that's like the Bronx of or whatever. It's the ghetto uh, portion of Metropolis. You know, it's all we're all covering it with the same newspaper, mm-hmm. but nobody talks about the ghetto mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's what it well, felt like. It's well, like, Bruce Wayne drives. Suicide, suicide Bruce Wayne drives from Wayne Manor to Lex's party. So I mean, it's they're pretty damn close, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you, you can see the bat symbol, you know, in the sky from Metropolis. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's yeah. like it's played as suicide slum, and nobody cares about suicide slum in Metropolis, I imagine. Right. Anyone else on Perry White? I <laughs> I have a lot more to say about Perry White, but we go right ahead. No, in the interest no. of time, let's let's move on. <laughs> but it's so yeah. Funny. Let's let's jump straight to the fight. I mean, we're. We're, we're up against a, a wall on time, so let's go straight to the fight discussions. No. Okay. Are we, are we not going to talk about Jimmy Olsen? Well, he's not, he in in yes, he's he not in the movie. He's not in the movie. Yes, he is. He is oh. in the oh, movie. Yeah, he is. Yes, he yes, is. Yes, he is. Is that okay. definitively Jimmy Olsen? I thought Jenny Olsen is Jimmy Olsen. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. No, no. Here's, here's how it, here's yes. how it plays. Yeah, hey, guy, you're saying Who's gonna tell Olsen? Yeah, that you know, there's a yes. Jimmy, there's like a Jimmy Olsen stand-in in the desert. Right. He's taking pictures. He's Jimmy-ish, huh? right, right? Right. And he turns out to be a CIA plant and whatever, right. and he gets executed. Right. Yeah. So I went, oh, okay, it's like a big fake out. He's like the Jimmy, and nobody ever, you know, Jimmy Olsen's never been introduced in the in the films, and uh, Lois isn't particularly, you know, Lois and Clark don't talk about Jimmy's death or anything like that. And then at the end, roll credits. Jimmy Olsen, that guy. So he's named in the credits. Zack Snyder has confirmed it. Zack Snyder yeah. said that was Jimmy Olsen, and they yeah. didn't. He, he said he said we looked at where we thought the movies were going, and we could not imagine a place for that character in this movie verse. Wait, then he said. Wait, and then he said. Freaking Olsen. Now he said, "Well, there are too many characters in our pantheon. There's no real room for him. So we decided." And here's the the actual quote. But we can have some fun with him, right? In other words, never, never have fun with Zack Snyder. <laughs> this is this is his idea of fun. Yeah. Wow! Okay. What the hell? Yes. That's, and in the R-rated cut, you will see that he's he identifies himself as Jimmy. Apparently, he 
he that was cut from the the, the the theatrical release, but there is a scene where he introduces himself as Jimmy Olsen that will be in apparently the infamous R-rated cut. Yeah, you'll see more of Jimmy Olsen's so. brains being splattered over the sand. Can we can we never speak <laughs> right. of him in these movies again? Because this is upsetting. It, yeah. it is upsetting. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay, fast forward. Move on. Big fights. <laughs> big fights. Shags wants to talk about the big fights. I don't know. We can, you know, well, we can. No, hold... it's just that's the next logical big thing we're talking about. Yeah, or the plot in general. We've we've talked about the plot in general all the way through. So uh, the fights being the death. Yeah, the fights being the the the, the big. I mean, it's like uh, what is it? Two thirds of the film is, is like a sluggish setup, and then with with dream sequences, and then you get like the big fights back to back in the the last act. Uh, Batman versus Superman would be the the first big fight. My, right? my only my only or, big issue with ahead, my Jack. only big issue with this is Superman says he needs to get Bruce's help, right? So he goes to Bruce and he does the cool thing where he doesn't fight; he just keeps walking towards Bruce, and Bruce keeps attacking him, and that's good. And then, as Chris points out, he then just picks Batman up and slings him around like a toy. I'm like, oh, I was pretty ticked at that point. I didn't think that was necessary. I would have been better if Superman didn't throw a punch, but then it kind of negates the name of the movie. Yeah, he could at least try to. He could have at least tried to talk to him. A little dialogue between them would have helped. I mean, because we, we were convinced by that time, at point, that Batman was nuts. I mean, so we could understand that he wouldn't listen to him, but Superman should have made the effort to talk to him. Look, yep. we're being manipulated. We're, I mean, he said a very little bit, and then, you know, he hit him with the sound, and then he shot at him, and then Superman just got pissed and threw him through a building when, when he didn't know it wouldn't kill him. You know, <laughs> so... It's basically the whole that whole bit... Is basically, hey guys, here you can do be, do the video game. Here it is. Here's all the moves. Mm. Push all the buttons. This is what happens. <laughs> that would have been great. The, if the whole movie, fight part. That would have been cool if it had turned into hardcore Henry at the end there, where you're just Batman and you're just punching Superman with your hands, and that would be, that would have been great. <laughs> but I mean, that's all that the move to me. That part of the movie was is like, hmm, let's just play a video game and punch every single button that we can think of. Finish him. Yeah. <laughs> Fatality. Uh, yeah. I for me the 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 chase and then the fight is for me was frankly kind of dull. Just, you know, it's tedious violence and especially the bits with the guns or whenever there's guns involved, I get really bored quickly. That's just not my kind of action, I guess. Uh now, we so love I our guns here, Siskoid, so Yeah. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I think outside of John Woo, they're dreadfully boring. But um, uh, so that's why I don't have much to say about about this fight. Ryan, you're also quiet. Yeah, I don't. I didn't care. I, by by the time we got to the fights, I didn't care. I and I yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> what about once Wonder Woman gets in on the action? Well, I got one before that. Before we get to the Doomsday fight, which is where okay. she's I, I, there was one moment that I think a lot of the audience did react sort of positively. Maybe it was just my row. There, the part where, you know, Batman has used the kryptonite on Superman. Superman's weakened. Batman keeps beating the crap out of him. And then the kryptonite starts to wear off. And I don't remember whether Batman punches him with no effect or he hits his arm or something. But it's clear Superman is coming back to his own. That's a pretty, that was a pretty cool moment where the audience was kind of like, oh, yeah, here we go. And that, that was exciting. I liked that part. I got a little bit of energy out of that. Okay. What the, the back edges were clever with all the right. uh, various setup he did, showing as you someone mentioned earlier, you know, give Bruce Wayne enough time and he can you know plan anything. Right. So Wonder Woman gets in on the action, 
It's Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman working together against a Lord of the Rings troll <laughs> of some kind. Less tell, believable looking one, though. Or, or tell tell me I'm wrong. I mean, or, that or, looks like it was modeled on a what troll. A, one of the one of the new Ninja Turtles. That's what my son said. It's like it's Donatello. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I think your son said it was Michelangelo. I listened to that episode today. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, still didn't care. <laughs> still not. And, and again, like Wonder Woman looked great. She looked tough. I was happy to see her, but I could not separate like the part of my brain that recognized that throughout this whole thing, she didn't need to be there. And she's there just for the fight that's ultimately not going to come down to her. It's got to be Superman who stops Doomsday. Otherwise, even bigger middle finger. Um, so, yeah. Wait, I, yeah but in that climax, I mean, the, all three of them had something to do. Batman was, was the distraction. She was holding with the, the lasso, and then Superman came in with the kill. Right, thus proving that the characters were not that intelligent because Superman <laughs> could have been holding him back and Wonder Woman could have stabbed him with the kryptonite thing because she doesn't have a weakness to that. Yeah, I thought for sure she, he was, you know, Ooh. taking the... She was the one who should have used the spear. That <laughs> literally sure. anybody else on the world, and again, using the word literally as it literally should be used, literally anybody else in the world would have been better using that particular weapon at that moment. You but put it in the bad cannon. Was anybody as strong as Superman, though, to continue to shove it through Doomsday? Because one person argued that Superman should have just chucked it from a far distance. But the fact is Superman kept having to push it through Doomsday and push harder and push harder and push harder. And did, did, you know, did Superman know at that point after 15 seconds of talking to Wonder Woman she had the strength to do that? She should have been at least as strong as Superman was when he's that close to Kryptonite. She should have been stronger to him when he's that close to Kryptonite. Does he know that? Uh, how does enough he know anything that he knows in this movie? <laughs> well, that's what I'm he doesn't know that enough to hand her the spear, though. <laughs> no, I think he was just misogynist. And he, thought he has he no idea who the hell she is. <laughs> I, I will say about Doomsday, I, I'm glad you brought up like the troll and all that. Like, it, 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 while he was cool and it was a fun fight, at no point did I believe he existed in the same physical space as them. He was clearly a CGI creature that never looked real enough to touch, like the, and don't, don't mean to bring up the Marvel movies, but at least the Hulk in some of the scenes of the Avengers films looks real enough that he's in the same space with them. Not always, but sometimes. Right. This creature never looked like he was in the same space as them, it was clearly CGI. It was you know like a really bad who's who cover where no one looks like they're in the same place. <laughs> oh, if we're talking about bad CGI in this movie, what about when Superman regenerates after the nuclear explosion? I'm like, oh, no, no. That was awful. <laughs> awful. When he, I'm just like, dude. I mean, the Twilight movie where Bella comes back and they re-straighten her spine was better than this. <laughs> wow. And now we know Twilight. Cindy watched Twilight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she loves Twilight. <laughs> Hit him. Hit him. Yeah. I, oh, ow. God. That sounded like uh, a, Yeah. I felt that one. I felt did. that from Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the, the, the doomsday bit, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know why I never – I honestly didn't think they were going to go there. Did you guys think they were gonna, this was going to end the way it was going to end? With doomsday? You mean when I saw him in the commercial? No, I meant I know doomsday was in it. I uh. meant – well, it's spoiler free. Uh, it's spoilers, obviously. That Superman was going to die. No, I had no idea. I was completely. You guys think he was going to? 
It makes sense. If yeah, you've got say. Bane in a movie, care. he's got to break the taking, back of Batman. You know? yeah. I mean, it was one of those cases that I didn't know it was going to happen, but by the end of the movie, I didn't give a shit. <laughs> Aww. There you go. <laughs> I, but yeah, if, if you've got Doomsday in a movie, then Superman has to die. That's his one story. You know, well, Bane breaks the Batman's back. It, you know, these characters were built to do one thing, and they did it. And then when you bring him, you know... It, yeah, yeah, it makes sense, but no, I wasn't expecting it either. Well, they haven't been able to use these characters properly otherwise, so I didn't expect them to use Doomsday, Doomsday properly, I guess. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> fair, fair point. Um, but it, it gets Superman to kill Zod again. Yeah. <laughs> I thought He's Michael out of Shannon Zod's was body. the worst special effect in the movie. That, I thought Michael Shannon was the worst special effect in the movie. That was such a fake casting of Michael Shannon every time they showed him. I mean, it was, it looked like, you know, it come from Madame Tussauds house of wax or something. I mean, it, it did not look convincing as a corpse. I didn't think It's like, man, they, that, that's like 1980s bad horror movie level. It just, it just did not look good. I didn't think. Maybe Kryptonians get weird when they die or something, Chris. Here, I'm, you know, I'm, doing, the, I'm doing the work <laughs> of the screenwriters for them. <laughs> okay. We're sending out no prizes at the end of this. You're, you're not wrong, Chris. Yeah. There was one scene where he looked good when they opened the zipper bag, but all the other ones, yeah, it's clearly a, a rubber dummy, especially floating in the water. Um, so Superman died. I, I expected him to start expanding like those sponge things. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> That's why he grew. Yeah. That's why he grew. It was like those spongy things you put in the water and it grows oh, yeah. overnight. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Go ahead, Chag. You were saying that Superman I just, dies? I, just, yeah. I, I felt like Superman's death was powerful. Um, I thought it was a good motivator for Batman and Wonder Woman to come together. I didn't care much for Bruce's speech at the end because he was making all kinds of, you know, Things are going to get harder. And I'm glad she kind of went, why? You know, because I just feel it. Or what? I don't remember the, the, what they said, but it was, I didn't care for what he said, but I liked that that was the catalyst to bring them in together. It, it sort of would, it would be something. And it, it fits with the infinity, uh, infinite crisis motif of when's the last time you inspired anyone with Superman, you know, when you were dead. It fits with that philosophy, at least. Yes. Or when was the first time you inspired anybody? That line. Oh, oh, that's rough. <laughs> okay, my the worst part of the movie they killed Clark Kent. How the hell are they going to bring him back? Well, they did the same thing in the in the comics when Superman died. I think he, he just found him. They didn't in have a body. He was rubble. lost. He was lost in yeah. the rubble. He was, he was lost. lost. Memory. Missing. He was. Yeah, they they never had. A, they had a corpse in a wooden box in Martha Kent's house. Clark Kent's dead. In the comics, yeah. they have Superman buried his body. This time, they buried Clark Kent. So if they, unless they have some weird time travel crap, there's no way they can bring Clark Kent back, which that pisses me off because I okay. hate Superman without Clark Kent. Okay, but do we want to spend more time with this version of the Daily Planet without Jimmy Olsen and with this particular <laughs> Perry White? That's do, we just need, it. do we need Clark Kent to come back? What's he going to do? I, th- I don't I like- think that's... Zack Snyder doesn't necessarily hate Superman, but he does hate the Superman supporting cast and world. That much is obvious. Mm. I mean, you don't want to be a supporting player in Superman's world. And Batman has, like, uh, the smallest possible supporting cast. That's why Wonder Woman's basically a supporting cast to to Batman in this. I don't think Zack Snyder likes supporting cast people. He he doesn't like Bob, apparently. Well... (laughs) 
<laughs> he, he was very beholden to Dark Knight Returns. It is interesting, the flipping positions of Dark Knight Returns, where in Dark Knight Returns, Batman, quote-unquote, dies. You know, at the end, in the funeral, Superman hears, you know, Bruce's heartbeat in the coffin. And here, Superman yeah. dies, and we see that, you know, with the, with the levitating dirt, the Superman's coming back to life as well. So it's interesting that he bothered to flip that. Oh, yeah. Do you think you would have been yeah. more beholden to the original yeah. story? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But, okay. So, uh, let's, uh, let's just, uh, we're, we're at the end here, right? Yep. We've talked about almost everything. Mm-hmm. You really want to compare so. it to the to the comics or the how? Nah. Does it, okay, then yeah. let's go for the <laughs> our summary. Each person should list why they liked what they liked the most and what they disliked the most about the film. So naysayers, you've got to find something positive to say. <laughs> and uh, positive Pete's, you've got to say uh, something negative about it. Um, so let's let's go from from worst to best. <laughs> Who hated it most? Ryan hated it most, right? Yeah, uh, kind of. Hey, wait close. a minute. No, it's very close. Between <laughs> You're gonna vie for that position, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, Ryan. Um, best thing about the film. Worst thing about the film. The best. Uh, see, I was I was even I was going to be sarcastic and say the best thing about the film was the trailer for the Jungle Book before the movie started. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> I, I will concede that the one thing that I actually enjoyed because it surprised me was seeing Wonder Woman with her lasso. I didn't think that would happen. And when I saw that, I was like, ah. like I, I had this moment. I was like, oh, so close. Um, that was, yeah, that was easily my, my favorite thing. Least favorite thing? Guys, seriously, this is maybe the least... This might have been the worst experience I've had watching a movie since the Star Wars prequels, um, since Revenge of the oh, Sith. Wow! Like in terms of <laughs> in terms of sitting in the theater and wanting to leave, in terms of not caring what happens. Like I'm just gonna get up and walk out, and you guys will tell me how it's over, how it's done, and I'll respond. Like, yeah, hated this in my bones on a cellular level. I hate this movie. So that's yeah, Rob. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, my favorite my favorite part uh, was had to be Aquaman, just because I never thought I'd see it, and I thought it was done well. On top of that, I, it wasn't just that Aquaman was in it; it was that I thought his scene was effective. So that was probably my favorite part. But I mean, of course, it was going to be my least favorite part is all of Superman. I stand by my statement, and I stand by my review that I wrote on Third Dimension that I think Zack Snyder and Warner Brothers just don't like Superman. Or if you want to be more charitable. Zack Snyder doesn't understand Superman, and Warner Brothers don't care about Superman, so they handed the character off to someone who doesn't understand the character. I'm happy for Wonder Woman, I'm happy for Aquaman and The Flash, and I'll go see Justice League because I'm an idiot, and I'm going to go see it anyway, but uh, yeah, it's, I just think this movie was a misbegotten idea from the very beginning, and the execution was actually even worse. So uh, I, I'm willing to fight Ryan for, for how much I did not like this movie. All, All right, right, we've got our own civil war. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is the Supermates. Okay. On this one, unlike The Force Awakens, I think what you're going to see, and this will tell the tale, The Force Awakens had people going back and going back and going back to see it. This is going to be a movie that people go see it once and go, holy shit, I want my money back. And then after the first two weeks, your, your receipts are going to go in the toilet. So <laughs> there's my general feeling on that one. As far as what I liked best, of course, Wonder Woman. What did you dislike the most? 
I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I'm broken record here, but yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't. I mean, that tells you something. I really don't have a desire to see it again. And I don't want to see it again to see if it changed my opinion. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm such a mark for buying things. I don't know if I'll buy it when it comes out. I don't know how I feel about it right now. I'm still, I'm still working. Talking about this helped me work through some of it. And I, as the more I think We're about, glad it, to provide you with your free counsel. Yes, a free. Thank you. Uh, I, I think I've, you know, I've, as time's worn on, you know, I, I have become more negative about it. Sorry, Shag. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I think, like I said, it, it was. I, it was what I expected, uh, but I, I, it's not what I wanted, you know. Uh, and I think I liked Wonder Woman. That's a broken record, I know, but I think she was the best part for me. My least favorite part, honestly, I just, I really couldn't, I, Lex Luthor just set me off. I couldn't get past that guy. I know there's tons of other flaws in the movie, the way the Superman and Batman are handled, but I knew they were going to be handled incorrectly to begin with. I just couldn't get past their version of Lex Luthor. All right, I guess I'm next because Shag is going to be the 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 most positive. Uh, for me, well, yeah, the, the best part is Wonder Woman. I I think most of us are on the same page on on that um, on that. The worst thing about it is I, I want to say I want to give the, the the raspberry the whatever it is the raspberry to to um, Zack Snyder himself, not just because he's uh you know the the movies are edited in a slapdash manner and uh, whatever. It's everything he said about the film since or while it was you know being prepped. Every time he opens his damn mouth about the film, he makes me hate it more. Mm-hmm. Whether it's <laughs> saying it's a spiritual successor to Watchmen, what the hell are you doing? Or that, uh, you know, that uh, he's he's cool with Ayn Rand, and he's making an objectivist movie. Hate objectivism with the uh, with a passion, uh, or what what he said about Jimmy Olsen, or that you know everything he's ever said about this film, and every time he says something about this franchise, it's always wrongheaded. It always makes me realize that the things I don't like. We assumed a lot of things about the characters' motivations, but every time he says something makes me oh yeah well we assumed wrong we it actually is worst case scenario it actually is the wrong way to think about these characters and if you just shut up we could make our own assumptions and you know make it fit in some kind of uh, framework that that we can like or that we can appreciate or at least respect but since he's always you know telling us what was behind it uh, and it's always the stupidest thing well you know he he's a ruiner so he's my worst thing. He's my worst thing. This film is, is is this film is is something where I like the characters. I just wish they were in a better movie. That's that's my summation. So Shag, best thing, worst thing. Well, before I say that, I do want to point out that we are all lifelong comic addicts. We are, whether we want to admit it or not. And no matter how much we try to be impartial and step back and think of it as a movie or a film or whatever, I, I don't think we have that ability. So I want to point out, you know, on Rotten Tomatoes right now, the, the critic reviewer score is terrible. It's 29%. It's awful. But the audience response percent is at 73%. And that hasn't changed much since opening day. It's, it's fluctuated 5, 10 points maybe uh, at most. But it's still a 
fairly high rating. So there's a lot of people out here that did enjoy this movie and that will be going back and will be buying the DVDs. Um, so I just, you know, I, I, it's tough for us to be fair with this movie, I think. So well, I think uh, a, a lot of that, Shag, I, I've got, sorry to interrupt you, but a lot of that is um, people wanting this franchise to work. Like a lot of, there's a lot writing on this film. If we say we don't like it and we don't see it and it tanks, then it puts in jeopardy all those other films we want to see that aren't directed by Zack Snyder. Dude, if you look at Facebook, right? there are so many will, willing people to bash this film. I don't think that holds up. There's, well, there's, there's a lot of people willing to say both. a lot of nasty things about this movie. So I, I, think, that's, I think the 73% makes up your general public. Oh, I think I'm, pretty what, sure. what yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, all right, so my opinion, what I liked... I have read a lot of comic books in my life, I, and I've read these characters in various versions. I'm familiar with the pre-crisis version, the post-crisis version, the New 52 version, the Flashpoint version, Kingdom Come, all the different Elseworlds. You know, million, not millions, but lots of different Elseworlds over it. So I can accept that these are some version of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And therefore, the thing I like best was seeing some version, this version, if you will, of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman working together and fighting side by side to stop a bad guy. That's probably what the most exciting thing for me about the movie was. I loved that. The thing I liked the least, the friggin' bad visions. I hated that. I hated every second of that, and I wish I could just cut it out of the film with some toenail clippers. I, I walked away, enjoyed the film. You guys have given me a lot to think about, and I can see there's a lot of critical points to tear this movie apart. But at the end of the day, I enjoyed the spectacle of it. I enjoyed the ride. It, it was an exciting film for me. So, all right. With that, uh, I guess we need to tell the folks at home where. So, well, Cisco, do you want to lead us through uh, the telling it what everyone's podcasts are and everything? How do you want to do that? Well, uh, how about we just go around the room and you tell us what your podcasts are and what's coming up in the next uh, weeks, if you know, <laughs> if you know. Uh, so, uh, what's happening over at the Supermates in our near future? Ah. Uh. You would ask us first. I'm trying to figure out what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> we we should have some uh, some coverage of some events we're going to be a part of. Uh, so uh, so stay tuned. We we don't really want to say yet because that's okay, Vegas. That's very vague. Yeah, well, but yeah. we're gonna we're gonna have a report on some things we've experienced. Well, just tell them the you know. Yeah, but no, no, no. I don't want to. No, we'll, we'll keep it secret. So so uh, <laughs> they're, go, they're going to a swingers convention, folks. You'll find out soon. Right. That's it's really exciting. Oh, no, it's really I don't exciting. Share. <laughs> no, no, I don't share. <laughs> All right, Shag, what's happening over at your podcasts? Uh, well, Justice League International Blahaha podcast is kicked off with the first episode. We got the second episode coming up uh, in April. Excited about that. Michael Bailey's the guest. Shh, don't tell anyone. Then uh, over on the Aquaman and Firestorm podcast, you know we're in Rob. I hope you don't mind me speaking for you. We're we're very excited about the direction Aquaman's going right now. It's, it's been refreshing. We're going to actually take a break from reviewing uh, classic Firestorm for a little while and cover Firestorm in Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, well, of course, I have an episode of the, the Film and Water podcast coming up with Mike Gillis, where we talk about one of my all-time favorite movies, Inherit the Wind. And then the next episode of Pod Dylan will feature our, our pal Ryan Daly, who's right here with us, talking about uh, his favorite Dylan song, Not Dark Yet. All right, Ryan, what else you got? Well, assuming the people... You know, I, I do want to promise new listeners that I am not usually this negative on my shows. Uh, I, I tend to be much more enthusiastic and upbeat. Uh, the next episode of Secret Origins, which is a podcast where I and a rotation of guests cover issues of the Secret Origins comic from the 80s. The next issue 
will come out. It will be about the origin of the Justice League of America. It's going to have a number of guests, including Mr. Rob Kelly and Mr. Chris Franklin. Um, Very different episode, all recorded separately. Um, But after that, there are going to be a number of episodes in a row talking about Justice League International characters. So to to coincide with Shag's Justice League International podcast, we're going to have like a month of just Justice League International stuff in April. That's awesome. I'm I'm really excited how it ties into my show, and I really appreciate not being invited to be on any of them. (laughs) You got the Justice Society. So there you go. Cindy, you're going to be on the episode that comes out right after the Justice League International. It's not your only oh, show. Okay. You've got other things, right? Um, I do, yeah, um, there's a Star Wars podcast in there somewhere. Give me those Star Wars. And Power of Fishnets, the Black Canary and Zatanna podcast. The next episode will look at parts two and three of Zatanna's search, covering her origin stories. Uh, and then after that, another episode of, the, well, another Black Canary-centric episode as her series winds to its conclusion to be rebirthed as something else. Right. And for me uh, and the Canadians, uh, Lonely Hearts, uh, the Romance Comics podcast, is well, playing fast and loose right now. Um, we have zero plan. I have no idea what's happening next. Uh, First Strike, the Invasion podcast, is starting in on the one issue, the, the single issue tie-ins. So Checkmate is this week, and then Firestorm uh, in less than a month. And on Oh Hot Moot or Not, where... Um, it's like the who's who companion, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> we we have hopes of completing the A's by the end of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> You're so aggressive <laughs> in your timetable. It's not going very quickly, but you know we'll get there. Uh, and look, uh, Shag or Rob, uh, you're the. Uh, you're the, the the king and queen of the, uh, of the network. <laughs> uh, how about you tell us how? Fight to... over that. Which one's which, there, buddy? Uh, that's up. That's up to you. And you can be two kings or two queens. It's all. It's all up to you. No judgments. Uh, what? What are? Um, how do? How do people uh, comment? Well, yeah. I, I would. I, I do want to say that after this all-star roundtable, I, I think we won't be doing another one of these, or we are going to end up in a civil war. So, folks, check out our website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. There, you can find all of our shows. You can find links to our RSS feeds, all of that. Rob, why don't you tell them how they get in touch with us? Oh, do we want to do that after this episode? Uh, but if if you do, you can go to fireandwaterpodcast.com and use the contact page or email us at fireandwaterpodcast@comcast.net. You can also leave comments on the actual episode itself or hit us up on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, which is Fire and Water Podcast. Or you can find us on Twitter under FW Podcasts with an S on the end there. And you can use that same hashtag, FW Podcasts, and put that out on the interwebs and people will find your comments and they will argue with you why this was a good movie or not. And you will have a good time just like we're having now. Yay. <laughs> well, I, I think I can use our traditional tagline uh, here because, folks, the Firewater Podcast started off as life is about Aquaman and Firestorm, but really, it's become a, its whole thing, a whole different thing. Firewater represents so many different things, and typically opposing items, which today has been a perfect example of. So, with that, folks, thank you to everyone for appearing on uh, what did what did Rob call this the fire and water all-star review or something like fire and water network all-star special batman v superman and until next time folks fan the flame and ride the wave and you'll notice that in stock trades did not sponsor this they did not want anything to do with it
It's a tragic day indeed for our nation, as well as the entire world. For today, our planet mourns the passing of its strongest and most valiant guardian. But none are more saddened than the superpowers members themselves. For in Superman, they have lost not only a close friend, but a powerful leader as well.